Good morning, it's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Welcome in. Game night for the Utah Jazz. They're hosting the Memphis Grizzlies tonight, tomorrow night. They'll go to Memphis next Wednesday. Got to play Cleveland at home in between on Monday. But three of the next four against the Grizzlies, including back-to-back here on Friday and Saturday. And You know, in the old school NBA, in the before times, when you played a team twice pretty close together, uh, usually it was expected you would split the games. Now, if there's a big talent difference, that doesn't necessarily hold true. Uh, but now in the new NBA times, you got three games in five days. Okay, that's, I guess, three and six days, Friday to Wednesday, right? But uh, you get the point, three games in less than a week. And so will the Jazz take two out of three? And then expect them to be Cleveland at home and go three and one in the next four? Or can they put together a win streak here? Can they sweep the Grizzlies? They are. Uh, they have the three-game win streak right now. Can they stretch it out to seven? Can they feast on the Grizzlies? Um, you know, this back-to-back thing can be tricky, but the Clippers just negotiated it. They beat the Spurs, and then turned around and beat the Spurs again last night. Uh, Clippers got the win. The Lakers did not get the win. They lost to the Philadelphia 76ers in the game that was missing a lot of stars. Ben Simmons played. That was the star who played. Embiid was out. And obviously, no, we Lakers without their two big guys. Kuzma went for 25, and uh, Dennis Schroeder and Montrezl Harrell went for 20, but it wasn't enough. They lose 109-101. Sixers get the win. It's an old story. Danny Green big played a big role for the Lakers last year. They won the championship. <laughs> they let him go. <laughs> of course, he comes back and has a big game against him, right? We've all seen this before. He went for 28 points in a freakishly efficient 28 points. Uh, 9 of 14 shooting, 8 of 12 from the three-point line. And he finishes with 28 points and five boards, no assists. And Danny Green had no assists. <laughs> he wasn't looking to pass. Who's he going to throw it to, right? Am I giving it to MB? No. Am I giving it back to Ben Simmons? Good guy, good player. Can't shoot. Not doing it. So uh, Danny Green got the shots, and Danny Green made them, and Philly got the win. So Jazz wake up this morning three games up on the Suns, who didn't play last night either, uh, three and a half up on the Clippers, and five games up on the Lakers. And I would expect the Lakers are no longer looking up. They are now looking down and thinking, how long can they hold off Denver and Portland? Because Denver and Portland are six and a half games back. Now, of course, the trade deadline was yesterday at 1 o'clock. And everybody's making moves, and I thought Denver was probably a team of all the teams that made moves, and there were a good, what, uh, I don't know, eight to ten teams. Um, some of the moves were more around the edges. Um, trying to make major moves that were going to impact, uh, impact the team right now and impact this playoff race right now. And the Jazz made a move, and we'll get to that, but that seems more about you know, the future and getting a young player who's under contract for a year and a half and he can shoot the three and, you know, how much better can he get? But Denver was playing for right now. Uh, Aaron Gordon. They went and got him from Orlando. Orlando, they were they were just moving people left and right. They moved Aaron Gordon uh, to Denver. Uh, they'd already moved uh, Fournier. We talked about that uh, yesterday. He went to Boston. And they also ended up moving Nikola Vucevic to Chicago. So they were just they're just taking their starting line and sending them all over town or all over the country. Uh, and, and Gordon to Denver, you know, that, that makes some sense. It gives Denver some more athleticism. Uh, Gordon doesn't have, to, doesn't have to do a lot. 
because we know that the Joker is going to do a lot. But, man, Aaron Gordon's an athlete. If he goes back door, you know the Joker is going to put that ball right between his eyes. And if Aaron Gordon doesn't get a layup or dunk, that'll be an Aaron Gordon problem. I guess at that point it would be a Nuggets problem too. So it'll be interesting to see how he fits in. Uh, and they also went and got JaVale McGee, which gives him more size, gives him a, a rim protector, a shot blocker. Theoretically, this should make them better defensively in the few minutes that Jokic is off the floor. You know, 12 minutes a game maybe, um, maybe less, and basically are they going to get their Derek favors, right? And throw them alley-oops, and he'll get dunks, and he'll rebound, and he'll block shots. So, But the thing is that that role tends to shrink in the playoffs. Uh, you don't have the back-to-backs. You have uh, longer TV timeouts as put commercials in the games that have higher ratings. Uh, so that 12-minute roll can turn into an 8- or 10-minute roll. Now, with foul trouble, you know, it could expand to 15 or 20, so we'll have to see how that pickup plays up, uh, pickup plays out for Denver. But Gordon and McGee, the Nuggets, I think of all the teams in the West that improved themselves, they did the most. Uh, you know, Norman Powell uh, bringing in a three-point shooter, but Portland's had another 6-3 guy. So I don't really think that's the issue in Portland. Do they have six three guys who can shoot? Yes, they do. They've got little guys who can shoot. I think once you get under six four in the NBA, you're a little guy. I mean, six three walking down the street is huge. Six feet walking down the street is uh, is pretty tall. But in the NBA, until you get to six six, eh. uh, but they added Norman Powell, uh, Toronto, and making some moves. Um, J.J. Redick went from New Orleans to Dallas. That should give Dallas some more shooting. I think J.J. Redick though goes in a group of guys. Um, probably three of the bigger name trades. The three guys got moved, and I just don't know how much they have left in the tank. How much will these guys matter? J.J. Reddick going to Dallas. Uh, Rondo going from Atlanta to the L.A. Clippers. And George Hill going to Philadelphia. How much do these guys have left in the tank? Of the three, you'd probably have to bet on Rondo, right? He played for the Lakers. He helped them win the title last year. And playoff Rondo is much better than regular season Rondo. So whatever he's doing now, uh, you know, can, can he pick it up? Can, can he pick it up and make a difference? Lou Williams went from the uh, went from the Clippers to the Hawks in that deal. So see how that plays out. Those are the big moves in the West: uh, McGee and Gordon to Denver, Reddick to Dallas, Norman Powell to Portland, and Rondo to LA. What's going to change the balance of power this year? You know, I, I would think Denver. Now, how much better that makes Denver remains to be seen. They're tied for fifth with Portland, six and a half back. They got a chance to catch the Lakers. But, you know, 4-5 as a Jazz fan, you're going to watch who's sitting in 4-5 because that's your second-round opponent, assuming you beat whoever's in the eighth seed. And the eighth seed, that's really tough to figure out because that goes into the whole playoff thing. You know, seven's going to play eight, and the winner will be the seventh seed. Nine will play ten, the loser's out. But whoever wins that game, play the loser of that 7-8 game for the eighth seed. So... As a Jazz fan, once the 72-game schedule is done, there will still be four teams that could end up in that spot. So there's just no telling. And the team the Jazz play tonight could be one of those teams. The Grizzlies could be right in that mix uh, when it's all said and done. The funny thing is, the way things stack up right now, there's a chance the Lakers or the Mavericks could be in that mix. Theoretically, so could Denver or Portland. Um, you know, Lakers four, Denver and Portland tied for fifth, and then back to the Mavericks in seventh. And whoever is in seventh is going to be in that mix. So we'll see how that plays out. Uh, As far as the moves that were made in the East, uh, there were some intriguing ones and there are some familiar names. Um, 
Actually, a couple guys who went east to west that I didn't mention and shouldn't matter in the short run, but Austin Rivers, who beat the Jazz in New York this year, and Tony Bradley, who played for the Jazz a year ago. Uh, there's a three-team deal with Oklahoma City, New York, and Philly, and those guys end up going to Oklahoma City. So the Jazz can see them again. Uh, Miami went and got Victor Oladipo from Houston. I already mentioned Vucevic went from Orlando to Chicago and George Hill uh, to Philly. And we already had the Evan Fournier to Boston. So a lot of teams making moves. But how much are those moves going to impact the playoffs? I think the Boston move is more a long-range move. I just I don't see Boston able to... You know, beat Philly. I guess the thing in the East uh, with like there's like a couple games separating fourth place and uh, and eighth place. The goal is to get into the four or five series and avoid Milwaukee and Philly and uh, Brooklyn in the first round. But then can any of these teams beat two of them in the second round? Seems unlikely. Um, can they beat them in the second round and then in the conference final? It, it seems unlikely. Uh, so. So everybody makes their moves, and we'll see what happens. But I think the Vucevic play in Chicago, maybe that'll help them get into the 4-5 so they could win a playoff series, maybe. Um, and the same with Oladipo and Miami, because I don't think those teams are going to be able to catch the big three. If anybody's going to do it, I, I guess it would be Miami, but I don't really see it. I think those three in the East have kind of separated. So, so there, is the, uh, there is the trade deadline in the NBA, and we will get to more on this coming up. Uh, Later in the show, David Locke is going to join us this morning, and we will talk uh, trade deadline with him and uh, see who he thinks the winners were. But I think I think Denver's a team, if you're a Jazz fan, you got to look at Denver and say uh, Aaron Gordon and JaVale McGee and what kind of impact are they going to have. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Then the other thing we'll talk with David Locke is how far does he think the Lakers will fall. I think if they get healthy, they'll scare everybody. doesn't mean that they'll win it, but they'll scare everybody if they get healthy for the playoffs. But... You know, if they fall to uh, six or seven, uh, then and the, if the Jazz stay one, then they're on the other side of the bracket. So, uh, you know, and the thought that the Suns and the Clippers and the Lakers could all go to the other side of the bracket, Jazz could still end up playing the Nuggets again in the second round. Uh, so I guess the Nuggets and Blazers would be the teams you'd be looking at at that point. So there isn't a very easy path. There may be a slightly easier path in the West, but there there isn't going to be an easy path. That's not going to happen. All right, DJ and PK coming up. Uh, talking jazz with Craig Bowlerjack and then the Joe Ingles Show. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning. It's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. PK and I spoke with Joe Ingles and Craig Bowlerjack in the 8 o'clock hour yesterday. We'll get you early risers up to speed on those guys. Bowler's take on the season, the final 29 games here with uh, Memphis tonight and Memphis again tomorrow. And then Memphis on Wednesday in Memphis. So I'm going to see Memphis three times in four games. There's a Cleveland game that slid in there somewhere uh, on Monday, I guess. So uh, here's Joe. Uh, we'll get to Joe Ingles coming up next. Here is Craig Bowlerjack on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Bowler, good morning. Hey, guys. I was hoping that you would maybe sing me into learning to fly. <laughs> That's a good tune. I like the acoustic guitar. Learning well. to fly. 
There you go. There you go. What's going on? Well, I can't discuss anything with you about the Brooklyn game because I couldn't take it serious. I thought that yeah, Harden yeah. was going to have limited minutes or not play because he went 40 in Portland, and sure enough, it turns out he doesn't play after that, that 40 minutes. So I don't want to talk to you anything about that game. There's not really anything to learn from that game. But I am curious, calling every game, even though you're not on the road with the team this year, I'm still curious if you think they just they've won three games the way the schedule has set up. You know, the teams haven't been that great. I mean, Brooklyn's got a great record and they were sixteen and two in their last eighteen, but that wasn't really Brooklyn. It wasn't even a portion of Brooklyn. So setting all that aside, can you tell by watching the games the way the guys are carrying themselves and the zoom calls that you do with them, you observe some we can see you in the corner when we talk to Quinn pregame. You're kind of observing. You know, does Quinn have any points to make? It's a chance for you to pick up one more, you know, one more talking point in case there's a blowout. Yeah, uh, like, yeah. like the Brooklyn game. And so like I'm just curious game. if you're getting a vibe. Have they turned the corner? Because Bogey got pretty fired up in the post game about. You displayed a little emotion, like, "Hey, our schedule is real tough. We didn't play great, but we didn't play that bad. You got to factor the schedule in." And so I'm just curious if you think the Jazz really are in a good place back on track right now. You know, I think body language tells me a lot, which only I can read off Zoom and on the floor uh, like like you two. Uh, you know, it, it's good to see them live, actually. And what I mean by that is, you know, we call games remotely for road games. So I have not had a lot of interpersonal – and I haven't had any personal interchange, but to see them is is – is is big for me as a broadcaster because you can start to kind of you know reformulate how they look, how they're reacting to one another in a in a position of live a live game situation. So you know, I would think that they've improved. I think defensively, you're right. The schedule uh, has leaned back in their in, in their favor, especially now eleven of fourteen, including last night at home. Um, but I think they're, they work through things. I think defensively, we saw better things. Road, the road is difficult, as we all know. And to pick up back-to-back road wins in this league is a good thing. And I think a positive thing. You know, and going back to last night, I'm with you. I was disappointed for the fans that not even one of the so-called big three uh, of the Brooklyn Nets couldn't answer the bell which was, by the way, a nationally televised game as well, on, as we call it, on a side-by-side with us and ESPN. You make a good point, DJ. 40 for Harden, but he couldn't play because of a sore neck. I don't, I don't get it, but I'm not Harden. We know KD's got an issue, and Kyrie decided to stay back for personal matters. And then Blake Griffin didn't play, uh, protecting a knee that's been an issue for him uh, most of the last three years. So... Yeah, I think the Jazz for me last night, uh, DJ, was that they did not play down to the level of the second-level players of the Nets, and they continued to be aggressive throughout the game and to win by 30. It wasn't a four- or five-point, you know, wow, we barely squeezed it out. So I think the 30-point win gives a little bit more credence to how the Jazz played last night, at least from my observation. Yeah, because we saw against Houston that first game after the break. You know, Houston's a watered-down team, too. 
And they let them hang around, had a run, blah, blah, blah. And obviously against the Nets, it didn't happen. And so they blew them off the floor. So that's the positive sign. But things are going so well for this team. Like we're creating stress points. We're, because <laughs> yeah. we're, so, you know, we're, we're coming up with stuff to worry about. And so Bogdanovich, very pointed in his comments, this is the worst shooting slump that I've had since I've been in the league. And a guy's a proven uh, shooter, obviously, from the field, from distance, you know, and really anywhere. And it's not getting it done. So we're concerned about that. Well, then we see, okay, he comes out and shoots the ball well. But now we got Jordan Clarkson hasn't been shooting the ball well. So our stress point, is it is it turning from Bogdanovich to Clarkson? And, and Joe, all of a sudden, he went one for seven. But we were discussing earlier, well, if he shoots 28 uh, threes in any 28-shot stretch and makes 19 of them, would be ecstatic. So should we really get alarmed with Joe? And really, are these stress points stuff that we're creating because we've got to have something to worry about because that's just the sure. nature of life? Yeah. Or do we step back and say, well, come on, man. Uh, these guys are proven commodities. So if one or two guys, two guys are off, well, then three or four guys are going to be on. And there's nothing to worry about. Where do you stand on that? Yeah, PK, uh, wise you are, Yoda. Uh, just, I think it was a Yoda comment. Uh, you know, I, I think we're seeing something new, by the way, for the Jazz and for Jazz fans, and that is, um, I'll use a big word, a plethora of threes. I Ooh, mean, nice. every night. Thank you. I mean, last <laughs> night, I mean, you're putting, you hit 23. Help me out. I don't, I'm driving, so. Yeah, it's 23. 40, yeah, 23 of how many, 43? Or was it 50? I don't think it got to 50. Uh, but hold on, I'll have it for you in a second. Go ahead with your bigger point, and we can but, back for that. But the point is that I think that we're seeing so many three-point attempts on a given night, which which Jazz fans have never seen, that the three-point shot is so much more right in front of our face, PK, to your point, is that there are going to be nights that someone's hot, like George Niang last night, okay? He picks up the slack where he hadn't scored in two straight, and he comes on and looks like you know a Joe Ingles uh, in in the way that he shot the ball and hit hit his what four threes. He was five. So, he was five of eight, and so was Donovan. The team was so five. Yeah, the team was twenty three of fifty five for forty two percent. So insane. Yeah. Fifty five threes that were taken last night. So my point is, is I believe that that just brings those numbers, PK, to your point, to the forefront even more on a given night, every night. Who's got the hot hand? It may not be Clarkson for three or four, and it may not be Joe now for one or two. But, you know, all of a sudden, George Niang knocks down five. And, and, and you know, and the way that Conley and Donovan played in the first half last night uh, kind of just overshadows maybe a, a, a couple of players with a, a, with a downslide. But then they recover and that's the way this team kind of works. When you have that many sharpshooters, not everyone's going to be on. But when they are, they're going to set NBA or franchise records for 28 makes. And they're far, probably not far away from knocking down 30 in a game. So I think that's kind of where we are, where we worry when one or two players seem to be off, but yet someone else picks it up, and you still knock down 23 threes last night. It's an amazing thing how many – how many of the players, how many jazz players actually have the ability to go off from three on a given night? So 
I remember with the statues, and everything has to be compared to them because they went to the finals twice, and no other team has, and uh, in jazz history has, and that's what everyone wants this team to do is to be back there fighting for that championship again. And they were able to go on hot streaks after the All-Star break and close out a 30- or 35-game stretch with a phenomenal record. Do you think this team is up for that? Do you think there needs to be inevitably one more storm? There's 29 games to go. Basically, can they sprint to the finish here, or you think, hey, there's going to be a hiccup, and whether that's okay or not, we'll decide when we see the hiccup and why it happens and what it looks like. Well, there's always hiccups, but I think the, the schedule, I think the Jazz maybe got through the most difficult stretch of a month where you had the the five, the four games prior to the All-Star game, then you had the All-Star break, and then you had the one game at home, and then you go back out on five. And so, to me, one home game in a month is is ridiculous. But welcome to the NBA of what is the COVID season of 72 games. So, I think the schedule sets up for the Jazz to take advantage of having the opportunity to have another run, and they should, uh, if they stay healthy. Right now, this team has been remarkably healthy. They've had the hamstring. They had the concussion protocol for, for Donovan. Uh, you know, Rudy looked a little, you know, for a minute last night, came down on his leg a little wrong. We'll see how that goes. But um, I think with the 11 of 14 at home, it's set up to the best home team in the NBA. I mean, they've won 17 consecutive games at Vivint Arena, and I don't know if that's going to change. And you know what that does? It shadows what Stockton and Malone were able to do during those championship games, championship title runs because they dominated teams at home. And there was a feeling when you walked in, then Delta Center, you had no way. You just wanted to survive and get out. And I kind of feel like that's building back to where that was. And when that happens, obviously you can start talking about making a drive to the Western Conference uh, Finals. But to your point, there's still a lot of basketball to be played. Look, LeBron's down right now. How long is he out? We were talking last night. I don't know. There's about three teams in this league that don't care what position they are in the playoffs. Probably the Brooklyn Nets would be one. The Lakers and the Clippers would be another two teams that I would think could care less where they end up in the seedings. But for the Jazz, I think it is important to have that home court advantage and the number one seed because it just plays better into their hands, a team learning how to really take it to the next level. But we'll wait and see. But I think right now, if the Jazz want to make their run, the schedule is set up to help them do that. My thought for you, man, since we're, we're worrying about stuff that really doesn't matter that much, are these lack of 10 games that they're going to play, is it going to cost the Jazz the best all-time record in franchise history? <laughs> well, I guess we'll asterisk uh, it, PK, <laughs> right? I love those asterisks conversations well if, if they had played 82 they wouldn't have, or they would have <laughs> yeah I, I say i've kind of learned through oklahoma city and you know having the season postponed last year and a bubble and now 72 games i'm just glad there's you know play and i just i think i've learned that i'm just glad we get games you know on an every other night basis 82 great Pro- probably for the players and the way they're traveling and the way these games are packed together pretty tight. You know, we've got a back-to-back coming up uh, tomorrow, Friday, Saturday against Memphis. It's like a playoff series. They're playing the Grizzlies. How about that? Three times in six days. 
I mean, that just doesn't happen during the regular season. So um, we'll see what they learn. PK, I, I wouldn't be surprised what comes out of the COVID situation here is that teams do in the future play little mini series on back to backs when they travel like into LA later in April, you play the Lakers twice, you go to Phoenix, uh, maybe you go to Denver and stay for three days and play two games down the road. I wouldn't be surprised because it cuts down on travel and it still gives players more time to rest. But again, that'll be something Adam Silver and the NBA will, will have to figure out, but maybe not a bad thing coming out of what has been a really difficult uh, a difficult season and a half so far. Well, uh, we were actually, we've been talking about that and we were on the same page with you that of all the things that they've adapted because of this last crazy year we've gone through, that that's one of the things that looks like it has a good chance to stick. Yeah. I think a lot of people yeah. are in favor of that. So that one probably will stick. Uh, and then as far as the best record in franchise history, uh, 64 wins. The Statues won 78% of their games on their way to the uh, championship, uh, the finals against the Bulls. And so uh, the 74.4, right now, they'd have to pick up the pace to get there if it were an 82-game yes. season. So right, maybe right. we won't have to put an asterisk next to it. That's a pretty high bar. Uh, sure. But but if they have that great finish over the final 29 games, maybe it'll become an issue. As PK says, that's something we can worry about that doesn't really matter. But it'll give us something to talk about, and we'll worry about it anyway. Although I don't think it matters. Let's give us something to talk about. A little mystery to figure out. <laughs> underrated good. song. Totally underrated yeah, song. Underrated. Underrated. Hey, you know, real quick, just if you look at the last week of the regular season, the one thing that is different that sticks out to me, uh, and again, it's it's – the teams that are already played themselves out of the playoffs. Usually, I, you know, we would have, oh, say, a Denver back in the day with Harden, and uh, it would be, uh, you know, Houston or Oklahoma City, even though it, there are the Thunder, I believe, the last game of the season. Uh, there aren't games of magnitude, and that is going to be interesting as well to see how the Jazz finish. They've never been one to rest players. And I just wonder how that will play out as well. Just a just a something to to think about. Get it? Think about down the stretch. Bowler, you are Joe Ingles' warm up act. Job well done. We're all warmed up. We're ready for Joe coming up next. We'll tell him you tell say hello. Joe, tell Joe actually I miss the guy. Uh, all I see is his uh, his hot hand and his great smirk uh, <laughs> when he looks back at uh, his opponent and gives him that little Aussie smile. But uh, yeah, miss our chats, after, and I know he really enjoys having the media around uh, after shoot-arounds, but those are fun times. But uh, tell Joe to keep on jingling, okay? All right, we'll do that. Thanks, Bowler. Thanks, guys. All right, Joe Ingles is coming up next. Stay with us, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Take The Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of The Zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. 
Good morning, it's DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Time to bring in Joe Ingles. There's a lot to talk with him about. Uh, obviously, all the talk about Alex Jensen, the jazz assistant, who seemed like he was on an NBA coaching track. But, but, his alma mater is open and is interested. And he can take that job and not have to move. It's an intriguing choice for Alex. Well, it's intriguing for all of us. It's probably agonizing for uh, for Alex. But Joe knows him pretty well because they've both been with the Jazz for a long time. And as Joe's about to tell you, they spend a year working together. Uh, all the assistants and development guys are assigned to specific players. So for a year, uh, they work together. So here's Joe Ingles on, on the team, how things are going, and Alex Jensen right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. This is the Zone Sports Network. Back to Joe and he'll flush. And it's time to hear from the best looking, most charismatic, and certainly the most intelligent member of the Utah Jazz. Jingle Bells! Joe Ingles. Gives it back to Joe till the cop slams it in. And yes, for the record, Joe wrote this introduction. This is the Joe Ingles Show. With DJ and PK. Who? On 97.5, 1280, The Zone. And The Zone Sports Network. Time to welcome in Joe Ingles. Joe, good morning. Good morning. (laughs) That was nice. So we're all curious, after watching you guys dismantle uh, the Brooklyn Nets, or at least the portion of the Nets that played in that game, when you hear all those guys are out, does it lose a little of the edge because you're not going to get to go against some of the best players and the biggest names in the NBA? Or do you have a little conversation with, hey, the guys, like, hey, we can't have what happened with the Rockets happen again. we gotta, we got to go get this right from the start. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously in the morning we – kind of assumed that Harden would be playing. Um, Blake, we probably kind of knew on a back-to-back, but with, I think Harden was questionable the night before as well. So we assumed that kind of he would play. So we actually did a fair bit of prep um, for him, obviously being and playing the way he's playing this year. It's obviously smart that we were preparing for a guy like that. But, um, yeah, obviously, we. I mean, you don't find out till pretty long kind of pretty close to the game when the kind of final team gets put in. So, um, I mean, it, it's obviously it was nice to win and whatever, but it's, it is frustrating. I mean, you want to see, obviously, they've got some guys with some pretty serious injuries as well, but, but uh, James is obviously not well enough to go, but obviously we would have liked him to, if he could have, just, uh, just to have a, have a good matchup, prepare against... Someone like I said, we had a kind of a game plan that would have been a good time for us to try and execute something. And um, I think once he was out of the game, it goes a little bit more to like kind of do what we do, do what we normally do, um, play how how we normally play. Obviously, with a like I said, like with a guy like James, you get a game plan a little bit more and do some different things and try and make it as tough as you can on him. So. Um, the, it, it, I mean, it never came up about from the coaches. It never came up about Houston, but we we did talk at halftime, um, just the players, just so we didn't want obviously want that to happen again, and that we need to kind of keep our our foot on the pedal and um, just keep playing the the way we play. Um, like I said, it was more of a game of us executing defensively, kind of how we normally do, and then obviously offensively. Um, a good chance for us to work on our offense of switching of team switching one through five and 
I think we'll see that more as we go on. And then obviously in the playoffs, that happens a lot. So it was a, a good opportunity for that. Um, and obviously we, we came out with a good win and got the, the young guys in there a little bit and stuff as well. So it was good. So there was a stretch earlier this month, Joe, as you know, your team had lost four out of six. And after the fourth loss, you went in the post game and uh, you said, I'm paraphrasing, but I'm pretty close. What do we want here? Do we want to get out of the first round? Do we want to compete to win a title? And it seemed like that was a little bit of a moment of, a, of reckoning with the team. Do you think that, that that was something that really everybody took to heart? Because I thought it was a very pointed message that needed to be said. Um, I guarantee you they didn't read my, uh, my watch my press conference. But, um, I mean, it was, a, it was a feeling, obviously, that we had regardless. I think everyone kind of... Um, Regardless of who went to media around that time, I, I think it was it was probably a very similar feeling. I think we just um, not that we had taken the foot off a little bit, but we we just weren't playing well, and we'd had times in that streak or when we were winning all those games that even when we weren't playing well, we were figuring things out. And some of those games we just weren't. We weren't adjusting. We weren't offensively playing the way we wanted to play. We weren't getting stops like we, we were defensively. We were giving up offensive rebounds. I'm sure, I can't remember off the top of my head, but I'm sure there was a couple of those games that we had a, a high number of turnovers. Um, and, and it's just, I guess, the my kind of statement on that part from that night would have been in regards of, like, we just, these are the little things that we, like, we've talked about a lot. These are the little things we've recognised that, are, like, when we do turn the ball over, we give up offensive rebounds, we're not doing the little things and, and the stuff that has made us such a good team, it, it is clear that we can take a few levels down and, and not play well at all and then we're at kind of the mercy of whoever we play. Like we just, we put ourselves in positions that we don't need to put ourselves in and um, I think everybody feels that and like we've all played long enough, coaches have coached, like you can feel there's, there's times in the schedule or whatever it is that you're going to be tired. Like there's, there's just no way around it. There's, there's things like that, that are just going to be the way it is. But um, there's a lot of stuff too, regardless of how we feel out there that we can still, we feel like we can still control. So um, yeah, I think just a few of those things were slipping in a little bit. And, and I mean, it's the truth really. Like I, I think we've, we've shown obviously we're, we're a playoff team, not just this year, but, but in the past as well. And um We've had first round exits basically every time, and I think we got swept a couple of times in the second round, or maybe won a game. Um, so it's kind of like draw that line in the sand. Like, do we want to keep doing that, or do we do we want to take that next step and that push forward? And um, we we realise, I think every night, like we're going to get a lot of teams' best shots, so we do have to be ready. Uh, but a team like last night, like like you said before, with the Houston, like. There's young guys, hungry guys, some guys playing for jobs, some guys trying to keep their spot in the rotation, like whatever it is. But same as that Houston situation, like they play really hard. Like that's just a, that's one thing I think regardless if you're a new guy to the team and you don't know the system, offense, defense, you don't know the guys, um, you, you can play hard. And um, I think in the Houston game, we got kind of, we got pushed around a little bit and, and, um, at times, for sure, they just were, were playing harder than us. So uh, I don't think it might have been a, a little stretch or two in that game, but it was very short, and we were able to capitalise on it. And like I said, just 
get a good win and, and obviously build on that for, for now tomorrow night. So is Mike Conley going to get all fired up to play the Grizzlies here three times in less than a week, or it's the second year now and it was a relatively amicable parting? Everybody, I think, kind of realized where things were trending. So it won't be that big a deal. How does this play out for him? Um, I don't know if you guys have seen Mike emotional really at all, really. <laughs> I haven't. <laughs> um, that's probably why he's actually so kind of good at what he does. He, he stays kind of in the moment, doesn't a 10-0 run or a 0-10 to run, he, he stays pretty kind of cool-headed. And um, there's been a couple of times he's... I think there was one time last year after the injuries and stuff like that, and he, and he had a good start, like first quarter that he got pretty pumped up one time. But um, no, he, he'll be himself. He like I mean, it was, it was a very amicable party. It wasn't kind of him forcing him out and they weren't forcing him out like either way. So um, they obviously, uh, I think they felt they knew who they were going to draft. And well, they just got rid of basically their whole team. I think Mike was the last one out of that group. Mark went a few months before that. And Mike was kind of the last one till the end of the year. So he'll, uh, he'll, he'll be ready. Uh, I think one big difference to last year is just his health. He's, he's obviously 100% healthy this year, where last year battling kind of that hamstring for, for a lot of the year. So um, being new to our system and our team and that throw the hamstring in there, I think it was it was obviously a bit of a tough year for him. And obviously we've, we, all, we all knew, regardless if you were a Jazz fan or a Memphis fan or a media member, whoever it was, you, we all knew who the real Mike, real Mike was. And um, we've obviously got a hell of a Mike right now. So um, yeah, it'll be fun. I'm sure he'll be excited to play him gets to match up with is kind of the guy who, I don't want to say replace because that sounds like like he he, he held that franchise pretty pretty strongly together for, for 12 years, but the guy who's taken over the point guard now, and so it'll be a, be a good game. They're, a, again, a young team that are, are, they play extremely hard, they, they're, they're playing well, and um, be a, a good challenge for us for two nights in a row. I'm wondering, Joe, if you can give us a little behind-the-scenes look regarding Alex Jensen. If he were to leave to take the Utah job, what would that mean for the team? A lot of stuff we don't see, but that you do see. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, I don't even know if he's been into the or if he's getting I'm, I'm assuming he is because he's a youth and he's obviously a hell of a coach. So I would assume that they would be throwing everything they can at him to get him, to be honest. Um, yeah, I don't know how that plays out. Um, I've never been in a situation like this, or if it was to happen like that. Um, obviously, just recently, Minnesota hired a head coach from another team, and I'm not sure what Toronto did with who they replaced. I'm not sure where. I'm sure. I'm assuming he was on the front of the bench if he was getting a head coaching position. Um, so I'm not sure what they did with that. Um, Honestly, I, I don't know what would happen. Um, I And this is like me completely guessing. I would be surprised if Coach was going to bring someone in right away unless it was someone that was very familiar with, with him and our, and our team. Um, I think it's hard to bring someone in at like whatever point three quarters of the way through. Um, on the flip side, I, I mean, selfishly, I hope AJ doesn't leave just because he's a... He, he is a, has been a big part of what we've done over seven years. He's been with Quinn um, 
from the start, um, and yeah, he's been a he's been a big part of it. I I worked out with him my first year. Um, he he's, he obviously works Rudy out. Uh, there's, there's a lot of stuff that um, he's a, a big part of with our group. So obviously, if he if he does get it or he takes it or whatever the situation is, we'd we'd be obviously extremely happy for him. It's a good job he gets to coach the team that he played for and that he the school he went to. Um, gets to stay at home. He doesn't have to move. I'm sure that's a positive if uh, if that's yeah. something. Obviously, the head coaching thing is something he's looking to do. Um, I mean, honestly, like I don't know if I don't know. I'm assuming that helps too with NBA head coaching. If you've been a college head coach for two, five, eight years, whatever it is, I'm sure he could always come back to the NBA. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's a tough one to answer because I've I, I've never been. I don't even know. I mean, I'm sure the Jazz have probably never been in this situation. So, um, obviously, they would. I'd be surprised. I don't think they would ever hold anyone back from um, something that they wanted to do, player or coach or staff member um, or front office or ticket sales or whatever role you've got. I don't think they would ever hold someone back from wanting to move or do something better or have a change. So we'll obviously we'll have to see how it plays out a little bit. Um, we have joked with him a little bit that he's, if he did get it, if he's going to take like half our staff with him or try, <laughs> try and... Uh, I asked him if I could go. On, I might be able to play for him. I've still got four years of eligibility, so I might go play. Um, but now, obviously, if, if that's something he wants to do and he gets a job, then obviously we'll be we'll be supportive of him and we'll figure it out um, when that time comes. So you work out with him for one year, and he has a great reputation in player development. And I'm curious if you can look back and and say, you know, what did he help you do, either physically or mentally? How how did he talk to you one on one off to the side at practices and games or in film sessions? What's what's his magic? What does he do in those situations that makes him so good? Because if he wasn't good, uh, let's be honest, they had high hopes for Rudy, and they wouldn't let him work with Rudy for so long if he wasn't so good. So, what does he yeah, do? For sure. Um, I, I think one of his best attributes, and it, like it, it probably sounds a little bit weird, but he's so kind of cool and calm in the situations that, like in a in a, a bad run or we're having a about streaky games or whatever it is, he's always very level-headed with, um, I guess, like a wider outlook than... There's obviously things that we have to would have to do and change and do this A, B, and C, but um, very kind of cool, calm, and collected in, in situations like that. Um, with me personally, I, I, I think for me, it was a, probably a really good fit my first year. He had played in Europe, where I'd just obviously come from, um, again, that like I said, his personality and stuff was was like I still get along with him very well now. Um, he probably was super disappointed that he had to work out with me my first year because I was just a <laughs> nobody that was <laughs> was uh, was coming in. So he was probably a man. But um, I mean, honestly, that first year, I, I actually said it to Coach the other day. I was we were it was we were talking about something completely different, but. Um, I was talking to Coach about my first couple of years, and I remember what Coach had told me that if I wanted to play in my first couple of years, that I had to play defense and I had to sprint to the corner and shoot threes when I was open. And um, obviously, AJ knew that, Alex knew that, and so he, like, he was kind of, I guess, the beginning of me kind of not changing my shot, but becoming a NBA caliber three-point shooter. And we, we are, uh, we, we. 
I, I probably again probably annoyed him because I wanted to shoot every day before or after practice or whatever it was. And um, yeah, that's where I, I first started kind of shooting. So um, he obviously helped me that first year to, even though I didn't shoot much, get build my confidence to shoot in the NBA, and then obviously to build on to where I am now. So um, yeah, I mean, I think he would be. If he was to take the job or get the job, I think he would do a hell of a job. I think he, being here too, being with Quinn and and the the, the stuff that they all do as a group, but the, the, the input that he puts in, I think he would he would know how to. He'd be walking into a job very confident and comfortable with with how he wants to play and what he wanted to do, and um, obviously a very very different style of of game and all that. But um, him obviously playing in, in college. I'm sure he still watches it. He's coached in the G League um, and, and did a really good job there. So I think he'd be very comfortable and, and obviously confident to to walk into that job and, um, and be confident he's going to do well. So speaking of shooting, Joe, they said you had the best three-game stretch of three-point shooting, 18 of 22. What the freak, Joe, did you think, man? I am going to Vegas. I'm so hot. I can't lose or miss. <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking. I was just playing basketball. And then I <laughs> I said to Renee a couple of days ago, I said, there's been way too much talk about this and people are talking about this 50% and all this junk. I said, watch me stink it up for the next week or two now because everyone's... And look what happened. I stunk it up. So everyone just shut up and worry about your own lives and leave me alone and talk about Donovan and Rudy. They get paid bloody $200 million. They go talk about them. Leave Leave me alone. I thought you were going to swear there, Joe. Leave me the bleep alone. I, I, you edited yourself. I, I did. I thought so. I, uh, I held myself very well, man. Uh, so the funny thing is, I think there are other... You don't want people talking about you. I think there are other people who don't want you talking to them. I couldn't help but notice when you were uh, knocking down four in a row to start the Chicago game, you had a little something to say to the Bulls bench. Did you start that, or were they actually chirping at you? Because I wouldn't chirp at you if I were them. I would pick on somebody else. How did that get going? <laughs> no, actually, um, I'd gone up to Billy at some point of their game um, after a timeout and just said congrats on the new job. And I'd made a three up to that point, and he he actually, he commented something about shooting or whatever or shooting well. And I said to him, "I'd right now, I'd rather take a, I'd take a three over a layup at the moment at this point of how I'm feeling." Um, and not long after that. Um, I saw the ball coming right in front of their bench and knew I was obviously going to shoot it. And um, I just knew at the, at the point of the game, I think they called a timeout right after that, and it was right at the point where I was like, if I make this, they're going to call a timeout. And um, so it was. No, I, I think I just kind of looked at him. It was nothing uh, malicious or anything, but we joked a couple of times about it and stuff like that. And um, he'd he's laughed or something about them not wanting to give me threes, and I had four in like the first few minutes I was out there. So, um, no, it was all, it was all good. I like, uh, I think Billy's a, a good coach. He's, he's done well with the teams he's had. And, um, yeah, it was all, it was all good. Fun and games. Well, jazz fans are up for more fun and games and we'll make a mental note to talk about the guys who make $200 million. 
Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> You're welcome. All right, Joe, thanks for joining us. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you again next week. Awesome. Thanks, guys. There is Joe Ingalls. We are going to take a break. When we come back, what is trending? We'll get you all the headlines. Some Western contenders playing last night. See how the team's chasing the Jazz fared. And we'll get you up to date on the NBA trade deadline. Stay with us. Your day has just begun. Yeah! But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Yeah. Hashtag Utah Jazz. Listen, we had a we had a really tough schedule. No one understands that we were on a, on the road for the 21 or, or, or out of 27 last days. So, so we had a tough schedule. We back home finally. We are trying to find a rhythm after the after the All Star break and play better, play the, the Jazz basketball that everybody that every, everybody loved. So. So we got a, like I said, a home stretch here, and, and 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 we have to take care of the business, and then try to get on another another winning streak. Take care of the business, PK. You gotta love that. Take care of the business. Uh, we play jazz basketball that everybody loves, and uh, yeah, we do love jazz basketball. We love it even more when you win jazz basketball. William Bogdanovich talking about the team after the break. They were in that whole win one, lose one, win one, lose one, ping pong, yo yo thing. But now they've won three in a row. So, can they stretch that out and put together another streak? They've already had nine 11-game win streaks this year. The streak now depends on their ability to beat the Grizzlies because they play the Grizzlies three times in their next four games. Tonight and tomorrow at home, both games start at 7 o'clock. Our coverage starts at 6 o'clock. And PK, the Grizzlies are a team on the rebuild. Nice young team. They do some things well. They do some things poorly. Can they sweep them? Can they take them down back-to-back? Because the Grizzlies are the essence of a 500 team. Although they're on a three-game win streak of their own. Yeah, I don't really care about the opposition. It's all about the Jazz. I've been consistent on that. It doesn't matter who they play. If you play Jazz basketball, that they should be able to win. And there's no reason why they don't win both of these ball games. So I'm expecting yes. The reason they wouldn't win one of these games is somebody like John Morant, who's hard to contain, goes out and scores, you know, 37 points, 43 points, does something like that to him, and one of these games gets away from him. That would be the reason. Yeah, to me, it would be about the Jazz not playing well. It wouldn't be about John Morant. It would be about the Jazz not doing what they're capable of doing. John Morant can do whatever he wants, whatever he's capable of, and that's fine. But I still think even with that being the case, if it is the case, that if the Jazz do what they're capable of, they win. Jazz made a trade yesterday. They acquired guard Matt Thomas from the Toronto Raptors in exchange for a second-round pick in this year's NBA draft. He was uh, playing uh, sparingly, occasionally. Didn't Nick Nurse did not like his defense. No matter how many, uh, he can shoot the three. He can shoot, you know, he can get forty-five percent of his threes for you. He's, he's a really, really good shooter. But uh, Nurse's thing was, no matter how many points he scored, he gave away more at the other end. So, the Jazz get him, and I guess they'll see if his defense can get better with Rudy Gobert playing behind him. I don't know that he'll ever be on the floor with Rudy Gobert. I mean, I have no idea who this guy is. I've never heard of him. So I'm not going to act like I know the first thing about him. I had to look it up to see that he was at Iowa State and averaged like 12 points a He's game. He's George Niang's teammate. Yeah, I saw him, and I, I had no clue. I knew that after I did the research on it. But at the time, I had no idea. I would be very surprised if he was on the floor with Rudy Gobert outside of the layup line. DJ and PK.
Hashtag NBA. Dame dribbles with the left hand. Now he takes off, steps back. Fadeaway three is no good. At wow. the, no, there was a foul. There was a foul with one second left. Unbelievable. Jackson now on the right wing. Clippers moving with Jackson driving right. Turnaround Jay is good. Reggie Jackson from 15 out on the far side. Tobias with it. Skids to a stop. Reverse pivot. Cross court skip into the near corner green. He fires for three on Schroeder. And he's done it again. Danny Green like manna from heaven. It dribbles down right into the net. And good. Fox breaking down the defense. Drive to the rack. Finger roll scoop. There's a new career scoring high for De'Aaron Fox. Wearing a Kings uniform. Taking it to the rim. Fox has 44. Jared Fox with 44 as the Kings beat the Warriors. Uh, Steph Curry out with that bruised tailbone, so the Warriors losing. Uh, the Lakers, well, the Lakers are without their two big dogs, and they lose again four in a row now. Danny Green back to play the Lakers, and he lit up his old team, PK. Familiar story. You chuckle when you see the uh, box score and see he's got 28 points and shot the ball really well. Uh, yeah, in this case, uh, some of the former guys uh, from Formula, I'm not much of a team that he was playing against. Uh, Danny Green's been a well-traveled guy, so that means he's got to have several big nights. <laughs> but uh, you know, the Lakers, they just don't have enough. They don't have enough firepower right now, and it's obvious. It's just a question of how long this continues is equal to how long those guys are out. How far can they drop? Well, right now, that was loss number 17 for them, so they are still in fourth place, but they are a game and a half in front of both the Nuggets and the Blazers. Three and a half in front of the Mavericks. So we will we will watch and see if this losing streak stretches out here. It's now four in a row. Clippers won. They beat the Spurs 98-85. They had a two-game set with San Antonio. They sweep that. Reggie Jackson with 28 points as the Clippers win. They're in third place. They're three and a half games behind the Jazz and only a half game behind the Suns right now. Yeah, Kawhi Leonard did not play, so it's a nice win for them. And the, they make a big trade that we'll get to in a well, second. Well, yeah, right now the Clippers send Lou Williams and two second-round picks to the Atlanta Hawks for Rajon Rondo. They get playoff Rondo. Regular season Rondo isn't that special, but can playoff Rondo come up big for them in the postseason? And how much, does, how much will they miss Lou Williams' scoring pop off the bench? Yeah, that's a surprise deal to me. I would have thought Lou Williams would have netted more than Rajon Rondo. Agreed. Enough teams looking for bench scoring. You think somebody would have uh, would have gone for him? And it, you know, I know they wanted the point guard and the traditional point guard, but they got an old school point guard and somebody who can't shoot. So they went from somebody who can light it up. Maybe not the most consistent player in the world, but he could light it up versus somebody who it's unusual if he lights it up because he's not known to be a shooter, uh, but he can run an offense, that's for sure. So an interesting deal for them. It's going to be fascinating for me anyway to see how it plays out once we get to the postseason because that's obviously what they brought him in there for. So the Clippers are one team everybody's going to be checking on because of that trade and all the reasons you just listed, and the other one is the Denver Nuggets who is part of uh, Orlando, uh, Orlando, just moving the whole starting lineup pretty much. Uh, they get Aaron Gordon. So they get all of his athleticism. He doesn't have to carry the franchise. But, man, when he goes when he goes back door, he goes flying down court on a break, you got to figure that uh, the Joker's going to pick him out and set him up for a layup or a dunk. 
So is Aaron Gordon going to replace Jeremy Grant? Because it's clear they have not replaced Jeremy Grant, and they miss Jeremy Grant. And what por- what portion of that load can uh, he start to carry? Well, I think in the interim he replaces Paul Millsap. Paul Millsap's at the end of the line here. Mm-hmm. And you look at he starts, but he usually doesn't even play 20 minutes a game. So I don't think Aaron Gordon individually is a phenomenal player. But I think the Nuggets, the nuggets were lacking there, as you say, Grant and Millsap. Grant's gone, and, and Millsap is at the end of the line. So I really like that pickup for what they need for him to do. They don't need him to be a big superstar because they already got one, and they've got a couple other nice players too, and obviously Jamal Murray's right there. So, yeah, I think the Nuggets, out of all the teams in the West, right now we'll see about some buyout stuff, but right now I think that the Nuggets improve themselves the most. They also added JaVale McGee, so they got another uh, big body off the bench for however many minutes the Joker isn't playing. There's a guy you can throw some alley-oops to, and he ought to offer you some block shots, some rim protection, and uh, help your defense in however many minutes he gets while, uh, while Jokic sits. Other deals along the way, the Miami Heat acquire uh, Victor Oladipo from the Houston Rockets. Uh, New Orleans sends J.J. Redick to Dallas. Do you think J.J. Redick's got anything left in the tank, PK? Uh, a little bit. Uh, you know, and he runs around like the Energizer Buzzy Bunny on offense. Joe Ingles has talked about having to chase him back when he was with the Clippers. Uh, and So, uh, it doesn't really move the needle for me, but maybe he can make a few baskets. Evan Fournier to the Celtics. That actually happened uh, yesterday, and we were able to talk about that on the show. Nikola Vucevic to the Chicago Bulls, all part of those three big deals the Orlando Magic made. Blazers get Gary Trent, or uh, traded Gary Trent Jr. and Rodney Hood to Toronto for uh, Norm Powell. They are going to uh, lead the league in guys in that uh, six foot to six three range who can shoot the ball really well. How far is that going to carry him? Remains to be seen. I thought that was a little bit about rearranging deck chairs because you know, they win, they beat the, you know, he had the foul with the one second left and all that. And then you I look at the box score, sure enough, McCollum and Lillard, they have very good shooting games. Just seems like Lillard's going to go down as uh, one of the all-time Blazers, uh, maybe in duration, maybe that put him on the over the top if he stays there and no reason why he wouldn't continue to do what he's doing for several more years. But just doesn't seem like they're ever going to win anything. He's going to hit some big shots, and it's going to be exciting and all that. But in the final analysis, they're going to go out in the second or third round, maybe the first round. The biggest name that didn't get moved, the one we were talking about yesterday as the guy who could most... James. Is the guy who could most tip the balance No, the biggest name who didn't get moved was LeBron. The biggest name who didn't get moved, who was rumored to be moved. Oh, okay. All right. Kyle Lowry, staying in Toronto. Well, that just means, in my mind, they didn't get enough for him. Right. And that was what their uh, their front office folks said. The offers weren't good enough, so they're not moving them. They're not getting ripped off here. They want value back. So I don't blame them. See if... Uh, See if he goes in the hopper here sometime around the draft when there's draft picks to be moved. Maybe that right. maybe yeah. that'll spring something loose here when people uh-huh. know who they really want or don't want or yeah. DJ and PK. 
Hashtag college basketball. I think we've kept it out of our heads all year. I mean, bear in mind now, people, you know, we, we've been number one this entire year. I mean, dating back all the way into October or whenever the polls came out or even this summer. And one, they're enjoying the heck out of being with each other. You know, they know there's hopefully, you know, a week and a half or two weeks left in this season. And and two, they're they're competitive and they're smart competitors. They know uh, that, you know, every from here on out, every team is more than capable of taking us down. So they're just preparing in that way. That's Mark Few, Gonzaga coach, answering the question, is the pressure building to complete the perfect season? They're now four wins away. They got through the first week of the tournament. So now to the Sweet 16. They've got Creighton, and that is the first game on Sunday on CBS. That'll be at noon Mountain Time. So I wouldn't think Creighton would be the team that would take them down, PK. Yeah, I don't think that in the short term there's going to be any more pressure that there already is as far as just winning and advancing. You know, Maybe when they get uh, to the final or the semifinal, if they should get that far, I'm rooting for them. I'd love to see it. And at that point, you know, because then it becomes a realistic, more so talking point than it is right now. Because now, as you say, they're in a Sweet 16. It's just about beating Creighton. Uh, and if you were, I don't know how many games they play this year. If you were usually like 35. If you're 35 and 0 and lose to Creighton, and if you're 34 and 1 and lose to Creighton, I don't really see where it's going to be any more or any less devastating. It's going to be the same. It's going to be about the moment. This team coming into this season, as it has been for a while now for Gonzaga, is built to try to win it all. And that's where the joy or the devastation is going to come in. And I suppose maybe it builds a little bit more in the regular if you got to the final but at the same time are they going to say yeah but indiana played a legitimate season with fans and yada yada so does this really count in that regard if i'm like mark few my mark few and his guys that's really the last thing i'm worried about they're 28 and 0 right now maybe when they get to 30 they'll feel the pressure yeah that's what i'm saying but the the thing it's a little different you know i think kentucky was the last team right who made the serious run at that and they were in the final four but at kentucky it's Hey, you know, they, they've had other championships, so the undefeated thing is the thing that is special, whereas Gonzaga get the title. Now now it's just all the same thing. I mean, you either, either you get the title and go undefeated. You can't have one without the other. Right, but the problem with Gonzaga, the undefeated, is so many of the games are just overmatched. Mm-hmm. Who cares? It's did you, did you win it all? Kentucky is more likely to lose an SEC game than Gonzaga is to lose. Right. A West Coast Conference game. Yeah. All right, Sweet 16. We got uh, four games Saturday and four games Sunday. This is different than having the Sweet 16 on the weekday. We won't have overlapping games and have to choose between them, which sometimes is easy, but sometimes they're both good games and you want to see them. But now they'll be spread out one after another, and they'll start. Uh, they'll start a little afternoon, and then they will run until uh, 10 o'clock at night tomorrow. So great! It's like a little college football. Yeah, exactly right. Four games, one after yeah. another after another. First like two, first two are on CBS, and then the two uh, late games are on TBS. Great. So enjoy your college hoops. Yeah. Uh, the other uh, college news: Utah Jazz assistant coach Alex Jensen has reportedly removed his name from consideration for the open head coaching position with the University of Utah men's basketball program. The prodigal son will be staying on the Jazz bench, apparently not returning to the Hill. We're driving a new car to practice today to shoot around. 
<laughs> I assume you got a raise, is what I'd been told. And, you know, we talk a lot about you are who you are. Mm-hmm. And I think this is exactly who Alex Jensen is. He wants to be an NBA head coach. I mean, I'd spoken to him about it a few years back, and we know he's talked about it and whatnot, and this is his goal. And he's staying true to his goal. Good for him. I don't think he could have lost either way. But if this is what he wants, he's got my support 100%. And any team that he takes over in the future here, I'll obviously be pulling for him. Now the question is, where do the Utes go from here? Now all the other names on the list, all the guys who've run college programs. Who gets the gig? Well, Jerry Bryant has not run a college program. Uh, Okay, you're right. And and, and to me, man, I just don't know that I like... Nothing against Johnny by any stretch, because he's going to come recommended highly from the Jazz. I know this. And the Jazz, when they give out recommendations, that carries a lot of weight. And obviously Mark Harlan is going to have no stone unturned as far as that goes. So he's going to do his intense research, and I'll support whoever Mark hires. I'll take that attitude with uh, every coach. You know, give give the man, give the woman a chance to see what they can do, and we never really know. But it just seems to me that Utah should have someone who has head coaching experience. And somebody, there's all these reports out there, and I can't keep track who's having what first or this or that. But somebody had the Florida guy out there, and that really intrigues me if he would be interested in coming. But it does seem like a risk to hand a Power 5 program to someone who has no head coaching experience. Yes, in a program the stature of Utah's, and maybe I'm overinflating the program, but when you were there in the 90s like I was, I can't help but yep. think of the program in that and, regard. And I don't think it's just the 90s. It's a century of basketball. They sure. are top 15 in wins, top 15 in winning percentage. They've been to four Final Fours and 16 Sweet 16s. It's a really good program. We know other people are <clears throat> historically a really good program. Obviously, it's not right now. But historically, it's a very good program. And we know other people are throwing out quotes like, it's a sleeping giant. Mm, whether me, you're it's the, already a giant. Whether you're the person who uh, revives it after 15 uh, so-so years that don't match up with its history is another question. But if Mark Harlan feels like he's the right guy and if he's got enough people telling him he's the right guy, don't worry about what everybody thinks and don't worry about your stature. If he's the right guy, go get him. And the thing that I think is intriguing about Johnny and Alex, although you know now it doesn't matter with Alex, but the thing that is intriguing is I think the Utes can get really good players. I don't think they're going to get the best players. The best players are one and done. So I don't even know that the best players are going to take you where you want to go because we're seeing lots of times that doesn't work. We've seen it at Duke. We've seen it at Arizona. We can, it didn't work at Kentucky this past year, certainly. Uh, but if you can get good players who need to get better, which is how they've done it in the past, these two guys, the part of the program, I'm sure they'll be good at. Now, there's 40 things you got to do when you're the CEO of the basketball program. But player development... They're going to be great at that. And that's going to be a critical point. I shouldn't say they if it's not going to be Alex. He, the Johnny, would be great at that. But it's all the other stuff. All right, DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. I was in Florida when the deal was was finally completed. Uh, it's, it's a lot easier to do cartwheels on the sand. I'd say that. Um, <laughs> Rich is having a hell of a visual over there right now. But uh, yeah, no, I was I was obviously very excited. I, I think that you know he is definitely the keystone of of moving forward. 
Mike McCarthy, glad to have Dak Prescott back under contract. Cartwheel line. Okay, that's nice. Nobody can really visualize Mike McCarthy doing cartwheels, but sure. Uh, who would you rather see doing cartwheels on the stand, McCarthy or Andy Reid? Oh, I'm Andy Reid. Okay. I'd like to see Bill Belichick do cartwheels. He doesn't really seem like a cartwheel type of guy. Throw him on the list. NFL has no intention of requiring COVID-19 vaccinations for players, coaches, or team staff members, according to the league's chief medical officer. Dr. Alan Sill says he hopes everyone will get vaccinated, but not going to require anyone to do it. Well, how could you require it? I don't know. No, no, I don't think you could. It, so. I think so you think you get pushed back and people will get lawyers. So. Yeah. DJ and PK. College football. BYU is going to host their annual Pro Day at the indoor practice facility later this morning, 10 a.m. Mountain Time, with coverage on ESPN and the NFL Network and BYU TV. 24, 20 former Cougars scheduled to work out for NFL personnel. Pro Days do it for, for you. Pro, pro uh, Days do it for you, PK. In person, I, I watched, tried to watch Sertain uh, in Alabama the other day, and I got bored. Hmm. Now, maybe these guys, I mean, I don't know any of these kids personally, but obviously I know of them. It might be a little bit different, but uh, just, they're going to do stuff. Okay, I already know Zach Wilson can throw the football. And now he's going to do it without people chasing him. So he's going to look really good. Yep. <laughs> Cougars wrap up uh, spring camp this evening. It was supposed to be an open practice at LaBelle Edwards Stadium, but they opted to cancel that earlier this week, move it indoors. So no, uh, none of the outdoors and the fans and all of that. It's uh, closed to the public, and it is in their indoor practice facility, which the weather's looking pretty dreary out there this morning. So they'll all be staying dry indoors. No reason to make the players, you know, if it's windy or rainy or whatever. Have the ball slipping out of somebody's hands or having drops. They're going to make them look as good as possible. Put them in the perfect weather indoors. DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. Padres have announced that you, Darvish, will be their opening day starter Thursday when the season gets underway. The ceremonial, the respect that goes to getting the, getting the ball on opening day, PK. Says you're the guy. He's good. Eloy Jimenez Jr., Chicago White Sox, is going to miss five to six months. A ruptured pectoral tendon. He's making a play in the outfield out and left and run and hopped on the fence. His arm was on top of the fence. And uh, it, didn't, it didn't look good, but it didn't look that bad, PK. But five to six months, that is most of the season. It could end up being the entire season. Maybe he'll be back for six weeks or so at the end of the year. Oh, yeah, that, that just guts it. And he's a young fellow. He's only like 23 years old, man. He's and when they rolled the nice video. Seasons. Yeah, when they rolled the video of him doing that, they also rolled the video of him getting uh, caught up in the in the netting, making the argument for a designated hitter. Really not the left fielder of your dreams. A uh, big, bulky guy. We yeah. see like 6'4, 250, somewhere in there. Hits the ball a long way. Yeah. Joe Gonzalez announces his retirement after 13 big league seasons. The vet is hanging it up. What is trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There's no job too big or small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. 
Coming up, Utah football availability. We'll hear from Kyle Winningham at 8 o'clock. David Locke, radio voice of the Jazz, will join us at 8.30 to talk about all the NBA trades and about the Jazz and the Memphis Grizzlies three times in the next four games. That's all on the way with DJ and PK right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Time to bring in Andrew Reinhardt from Wasatch Medical Clinic. Andrew, good morning. How are you? Good morning, guys. How you doing? Doing well. So, the question of the day. You have been on the air before. We've seen you on the billboards, seen you on TV. You're all over town. But mm-hmm. the question is, why are guys so hesitant to get their ED taken care of? Because if everybody got it taken care of, we would probably see less of you. But we're not seeing less of you, which That's means right. well, <laughs> guys who, who maybe go, could use some help there have been a little hesitant. Yeah, there's so many. So the stats say that 30% of men with erectile dysfunction do something about it. They seek treatment. That means... I mean, I'm assuming two-thirds do nothing. The relationship is what suffers. I think ED is kind of attached to a man's sense of self-worth, his ego. Maybe he doesn't know about our treatments and how easy they can be. But we're trying to eliminate the stigma uh, and get more guys treated because at the end of the day, it's the relationship that suffers. So you do have some uh, science now to back it up. Cambridge University, people like that are studying you, and you got a medical yes. page so people can read this stuff for themselves? Yep, 42 medical journals basically studying the two most advanced forms of acoustic wave therapy that Wasatch Medical uses. The FDA only registered these two, um, and Cambridge is on there. They've studied this. Basically, our technology regrows and opens up blood vessels with pressure waves on this part of the body. A guy does a few short treatments over two to three weeks, typically. That's enough to get rid of the ED. We've seen 40 to 50% more blood flow uh, as a result of these treatments, enough to get guys off the pill, get away from those side effects, and turn back the clock in the bedroom. Usually when you come on, you have some kind of discount or special offer for our listeners. You got one today? We do. We really believe in delivering a lot of value. Um, If you're struggling with ED, you've been hearing us. Today's your day. We're giving away so much. Uh, The assessment exam, blood flow ultrasound with our doctor, that's free. A little enhanced gift now that I have yet to see fail. It produces immediate results in the bedroom and new patients even get free testosterone. If you feel like things, you know, a little low in the tank, we got you covered there. Uh, give us a call here at Wasatch Medical. It's all no charge. Guys, you can put a stop to your ED. Call Wasatch Medical right now to claim that special offer. Call 801-901-8000. 801-901-8000. You can call Andrew Reinhardt at the Wasatch Medical Clinic at 801-901-8000. Andrew, thanks a lot. Thanks, guys. The Big Show, the Big Show. with Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. Chris Camrani from The Athletic. You've got some breaking news up on The Athletic right now. Yeah, Alex Jensen has removed his name from the running for the University of Utah head basketball coaching job. I think a lot of folks assumed Alex was going to have the first bite at the apple, but it just wasn't the right timing. Alex has interviewed for head coaching jobs in the NBA the last couple of years. He is a known commodity in the NBA. I think it's only a matter of time that an NBA team is going to hire Alex to lead their franchise. So while the poll to go back home 
home, albeit five miles up the road, was strong. Ultimately, Alex Jensen decides to stay put. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7, presented by Big O' Tires, the team you trust. On 97.5, 1280, The Zone, in the Zone Sports Network. DJ PK brought to you in part by Jerry Seiner Cadillac. They're bringing you hot takes or toes. Check out the bold new lineup at Jerry Seiner Cadillac. It's definitely not your grandpa's Cadillac. All right, NBA trade deadline is now in the rearview mirror. What did you make of the flurry of NBA trades? Honestly, PK, not much. The Clippers raised an eyebrow and the Nuggets improved themselves, but how much? And that was my big takeaway. Well, I think on a smaller market team like Orlando, uh, is this the way to go? And so they're all in. They jumped all in. It was bold. And it's like the Houston Astros did it. And we it's put aside the cheating because, uh, you know, the cheating was there and that maybe got them over the top, whatever. But the process and the formula, is that the way to go to build your franchise? And the Jazz have done this. And we can recall not skipping steps. This is what we're going to do, blah, blah, blah and develop guys you talk about developing guys so it is fascinating to see when a team dives into it because it's a bold move and is that the way to go if you're not one of these glamour franchises and you look at the jazz and you have to have internal development and they get this matt thomas kid i don't know jack about him i don't know what's going to happen with him but if I step back, you know, I didn't know Jack about Royce O'Neal. I mean, I knew he started, uh, went to, I looked it up, and he obviously finished with Baylor, which is more of a prominent program. But I think he started over there in Denver and then transferred. And when they picked up Joe Ingles, I didn't bat an eyelash. Uh, and, you know, I could go on and on. And so these guys were developed, right? And I think that somebody like a, like a Rudy Gobert and a Donovan Mitchell, they clearly were developed. But I think the big thing with those guys is they were identified, right? The Jazz went out and acquired these guys. We know that the workouts that they had with Mitchell, they loved them. And the same thing with Gobert. And we were told, you know, after the fact that when they let guys in to watch the Gobert workout, if somebody said anything, Dennis was going to fire him on the spot, blah, blah, blah. So they identified talent, and then those players, they developed two for sure. But you look at an Ingles, a Royce O'Neal, uh, who, who are these dudes, right? You knew Nobody batted an eyelash there, but they went and developed them, and that's what the Orlando Magic are going to have to do. So I was captivated as I keep seeing every 15 minutes, it seemed like, oh, this guy's gone, oh, that guy's gone. So I would go beyond the two trades that you just seen, the teams that you said, and look at Orlando as a formula because I think that it's really good for whatever sports league that you're in at the pro level. Because if it's done the right way, it doesn't matter where it's done. And the NBA takes a hit on that. You know, Locke likes to talk about, well, Mike Trout only bats four times. Okay, yeah, but that's why if you're a fan of that team, if you got somebody else who steps up and who knows who gets a hit, the Giants won World Series with uh, – dudes that you never heard of coming up and getting clutch hits 
And if you're a fan of that team, who cares that it was not Buster Ol- – uh, I was going to say uh, Buster Olney, but Buster Posey who didn't get the big hit. You know what I mean? You want your team to win. So the point being that it goes beyond, well, just do I have the one or two best players in the league and then, well, I'm going to go to the finals. And that becomes so predictable. So I'm going to be able to watch what the Magic are going to do going forward. It's going to take a while, you know, what, three or four years, I guess, maybe whatever timeline you want to assign to it. Because if they can do it, I think it really sends a strong message that anybody can do it if you do it the right way. Well, they should now plummet to the bottom. They weren't that far away from the bottom anyway. They've got one of, what, four or five worst records in the league right now. You know, when when Orlando's been good before, they've plummeted to the bottom and then they've hit on high picks. You know, get the number one pick and get Shaq and get Penny and go to the finals. And Dwight Howard took them to another final. Those are their, their two big years. So if you feel like you're stuck in the middle, I mean, that's where the Jazz were when they decided, all right, let's uh, let's – change it. You know, we can get to the eight seed, we can get six games over five hundred, but we're not going top four, we're not going top two, so let's tear everything down. Orlando wasn't there's not that big a risk for Orlando. There if you can't make the playoffs in the East and they're not even looking like they're gonna get to the tenth spot. They were names. They were guys who were uh, high draft it's, picks, right? I think it was less of a risk for the Jazz to do it because there were guys that had been around and weren't really going to go anywhere and they were they were a little bit older whereas to me the Lando guys I mean for Aaron Gordon I think he's still only like 25 years old seems like he's been around forever doesn't right seems like he should be 28 I will but I think he's pretty young still so I think that was bold for them and there they're a place where you know, we talk with the Sun Belt and a lot of people moving. You know, there's a lot of distraction of other stuff to do in Orlando. We're in Salt Lake City in the winter at night. There's not a lot of distraction, <laughs> <laughs> meaning so you're going to have a pretty good support just by opening up the doors. Now, I have not lived in Orlando, but, you know, living back east, everybody goes to Florida and whatnot, and you hear about that, and we know all the other attractions and the weather. Well, and the weather in the winter seems to be the best, better weather because it's not raining as much. And so it seems like this is a bold move for them. Well, they will start over, and we will see where they go. Uh, you can hit us up on Twitter, David DJ James, Facebook, DJ and PK. What you make of the flurry of NBA trades? And Kyle says, why anyone would want Rondo on their team is a mystery to me. Well... Lakers had him on their team and won a championship. And it was mostly about LeBron, and it was something about AD, but Rondo got some credit too. A vet who's been there and played in the biggest games and is poised. Don't underestimate the value of that. Uh, He can be poised. He he can also do some stupid stuff. Uh, I mean, just the other day he was putting a ball in somebody's face, and we know he's had some issues there. He's had issues with coaches and whatnot. Uh, But, yeah, that was a bold move. That's a short-term thing that we'll see how it plays out and what he's going to do. Because, I mean, that you talk about a veteran and poise. Well, they gave up a 34-year-old Lou Williams, so doesn't that cancel each other out? Wasn't Lou, wasn't Lou Williams that guy? Yeah, and I think Lou Williams scared a lot of Jazz fans. They've seen him have big games against the Jazz. Now, you can say, hey, he's 34, he's slipping, and sure, he makes shots, but how many buckets does he give up at the other end of the floor? 
they may figure we've got guys who can get buckets. Uh, we need someone who can who can organize this. I mean, clearly that must be what they're thinking. Yeah, that was bold. The team I mean, you that got a thirty-four yeah. for a thirty-five-year-old. The team that got the most applause here from Jazz fans in our uh, Facebook feed is a team that they don't really like to applaud. But Jason says, great pick for Denver while not giving up much. Brad says, Denver got a lot better. That'll make things interesting down the stretch. And Phil says, Denver, Miami, and Chicago won the day by a large margin. And Denver just getting uh, shout-outs up and down. Oh, here's another one. Uh, Ryan says, prior to the trades, Denver worried me a little. Now they scare me. I think I'd rather see either L.A. team in the playoffs than Denver. Ooh, ooh. That seems like a little overreaction, doesn't it? A healthy Laker team? Yeah. That scares me more than Denver. But I yes. guess the, the general point that Denver improved themselves, that seems to be the answer around the league. Reading stuff yesterday, watching stuff, listening to stuff. Denver was getting a lot of applause around the league, Jazz fans. Don't let the whatever hatred or jealousy or whatever of Denver get in the way. They pretty much say the same thing. I think that what they lacked, Aaron Gordon can provide, and that's why it was a good move for them that I would agree with that. I don't think Aaron Gordon is a superstar unto himself, but you know Jeff Hornacek wasn't a superstar, but they needed something, and they got it when the Jazz made that move. And I don't know that he'll have the impact that Jeff had because I don't know that the other guys at the top uh, can get them over the hump. Uh, as far as that goes, whereas in terms of getting the finals, Hornacek obviously helped them get get them for strong, get them there. But, yeah, I, I like what they did. I agree. Getting Gordon, plugging him in there. I'd imagine he wouldn't come off the bench maybe, I don't know, at the start. But I'd imagine he'd be playing 30 minutes once he's ready to go and understands what they want him to do, that he's going to get major minutes. And he has the opportunity because he doesn't have to do a whole lot. You just got to do what he can do. So I like what they did, too. He was a 14-point, uh, 6-rebound, 4-assist guy in Orlando. So you know, how many touches will he get and will he replicate those numbers? That all remains to be seen. But you're right, he is 25. He doesn't turn 26 till September. So plenty of upside. That, that's a move that's not just for this year. You know, When you start trading 34- and 35-year-old guys, you're talking about this summer. But with Gordon, uh, you know, they can look forward to seeing what he does down the road. Yeah. And he's got to be pumped because, you know, he's going to a team that's already got it going a little oh, bit. Oh, for so sure, yeah. He just climbed a bunch of games in the standings. Yeah. He's pumped. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Utah football coach Kyle Whittingham coming up at the top of the hour. Number one. Because you're number one preset. The Zone Sports Network is Utah's number one choice for sports radio in Utah. From DJ and PK to Hanson Scotty and the Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, the Zone continues to dominate the competition. Thank you to all of you that continue to make the Zone Sports Network Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports station. Your home for the best coverage of the teams you're passionate about is right here. 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. The store has grab-and-go meals and hundreds of local products. The store has two locations. One's in Holiday, 6200 South and 2050 East. The other's in downtown Salt Lake and the Gateway Mall. That's the store bringing you DJ and PK here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. All right, PK, we're about to hear from Kyle Whittingham. His uh, media availability here at spring football continues for the Utes. And you saw a, uh, a list 
There, there are so many lists out there. But uh, what I'm at, Kyle ranked as the 12th best coach in college football. Not to go old Goldilocks and three bears on you, but too high, too low, just right. And I, I, think I think that the biggest thing here is how much credit are you going to give programs for the built-in advantages they have and how much are you going to deduct from coaches who are at those programs? What's that mean? Uh, USC has advantages. So you might win more at USC than you win at another school. Is, does that mean Clay Helton's a better coach? Because largely coaches just get graded on how much they're winning. Oregon's got advantages. And if you haven't been coaching there very long and you got a good record, how much of that is you? Because if, if you haven't been there long enough to bring in all the players yet, and how much of that is Oregon just has built-in advantages? I think every program that wins has built-in advantages one way or the other. So does Kyle have enough then to justify him as number 12, Bruce Feldman of The Athletic, ranking Kyle as the 12th best coach in college football? Well, I think you have to look at it. Uh, Utah certainly has its advantages. It's the big dog in a, in a pretty good-sized city, easy access to get to, and doesn't have a pro team. And they have obviously, in my mind, and I think in most folks' mind, you have to admit they've superseded the accomplishments of what BYU has done. BYU has a large, enormous fan base locally and around the world, whatever. Well, I'm not going to get into that. Uh, but Utah has a lot of stuff going for it that a lot of comp- teams in the conference and in the division don't have uh, for sure. And so they've taken advantage of that. And then people have biases. And the fact is Kyle has made himself – a media genius in the way he handles it. It's so impressive to see where he used to be, how he was ready to attack at all times if anything was said negatively about him. And I talked to him about it. And now how uh, if Bruce Feldman would call him up, hey, Bruce, how's it going? (laughs) Right. (laughs) How's the family? And so there's bias there. Everybody loves the guy. He's hard-nosed. He does things the right way, takes no crap, never gives in, blah, 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 blah. I think all that factors in, and I'm fine with that ranking. All right, DJ and PK, you can hit us up on uh, Facebook, DJ and PK, and we'll get to that uh, more of that coming up. We've got uh, Andrew, Andrew Reinhardt joining us right now. He is with the Wasatch Medical Clinic. And, Andrew, what kind of patient results are you hearing uh, from people as, uh, as more people come through the Wasatch Medical Clinic? Well, typically uh, a patient starts with skepticism and embarrassment, so that's the first thing. Guys struggling with ED naturally are that way. They go through our treatments, and I think the big surprise is it's so much faster than I thought. Uh, the Cambridge University study on our technology showed that the average guy needed a few treatments over two to three weeks. That's pretty quick. If you think about taking the pill for ED for a lifetime uh, versus two to three weeks from now, let's call it mid-April, uh, you could be done with these treatments. Turn back the clock in the bedroom, we use the most advanced form of acoustic wave therapy. It opens up and repairs the damaged blood vessels. And damaged blood vessels is the leading cause of ED. So we've helped so many guys, uh, you know, get over the skepticism, get over the embarrassment, and really improve the intimacy with their significant other. 
So as you talk to people and you get that that kind of feedback, you probably also come across what the top causes are from ED. You probably hear a lot of stuff, and then you're probably also able to figure out a lot of stuff of what's impacting guys. Yeah, we do do an assessment prior to starting, um, but we, we see you know we see a lot of prostate issues, we see a lot of diabetes. The other thing I would say though is I think that this is happening to guys younger than we've ever known, or maybe you know we just kind of didn't talk about it. We have guys in their 20s and 30s every day in here that just kind of want to top off their drinks, so to speak. They want to improve the frequency with their partner. Uh, Our technology works great for that. We have guys in their 80s and 90s who have severe erectile dysfunction. Um, The Cambridge study, it intentionally studied guys with ED so severe that Viagra wasn't even working anymore. So... That was a really cool look at how powerful this technology is, that it, it can work on guys like that. Um, so, you know, we've kind of seen the whole spectrum. So the special offer? Call us now. Put a stop to your ED. We're going to do the assessment, the exam, the blood flow ultrasound. Really cool process. Uh, that's all free. A little enhanced gift, by the way, that produces immediate results in the bedroom. And new patients even get free testosterone right now. So a ton of value. Uh, call us here. It's all no charge. Guys, you can put a stop to your ED by calling Wasatch Medical right now. Claim the offer at 801-901-8000. 801-901-8000. Andrew Reinhardt and the Wasatch Medical Clinic at 801-901-8000. Thanks, Andrew. Thank you, guys. DJ PK, it is time to go up to the hill and listen to Kyle Woodingham. He's meeting with the media on Zoom right now. Here's his opening statement. Gauged geared towards uh, player development, fundamentals, techniques, not so much scheme. Uh, that, that'll come later in the fall, but just getting every every play in the program better fundamentally and technique-wise. That's the overall objective, and so far that's happening, so we feel good about where we're at. Uh, questions? We'll start with Jeff Call of the Deseret News, followed by Trevor Allen, kslsports.com. Go ahead, Jeff. Uh, Kyle, now that you're about two weeks into spring ball, could you – assess the performance of the quarterbacks at this point, what you've seen from them, and what kind of stands out to you about them at this point? Yeah, first of all, Charlie Brewer is quite a bit ahead of everybody else. The other four are freshmen. That's to be expected. Charlie's a a senior, uh, had a lot of experience. uh, He's got a lot of experience under his belt. The other four four guys have uh, actually no Division I experience, and so that's uh, no surprise to us that that's how things are are, uh, unfolding to this point. <clears throat> we've got uh, obviously Cam Rising waiting in the wings uh, when fall camp begins, and so that'll put a whole new spin on the on the uh, quarterback competition. But right now, Charlie Brewer is, is clearly uh, performing better than uh, anybody else. Next, we'll go to Trevor Allen. Kyle, in you've you've actually had a lot of pro days throughout your years, um, be, being the coach, and you don't have one this year just because of everyone coming back. But what what do you normally tell your players who are who are going to you know have pro day around all of those NFL scouts that that uh, tend to show up? Well, just relax and do your thing. I mean, they're they're there for a reason. They're, they're invited to the pro day because they're good players, good athletes, and uh, just go give it your best. I mean, don't press, don't be nervous. Just uh, perform like you're capable of, and, and uh, good things will happen. So, and it is much different this year without a pro day. First, first uh, time ever since I've been in Utah, we haven't had a pro day. And then again, you mentioned it's because we just don't have anybody. Not one player has uh, made himself eligible for the draft. And this year, 
with the super seniors, they had to make a, a declaration weeks ago whether or not they were going to uh, enter the draft or come back for that for that uh, fifth fifth year, I guess you would call it. But but uh, everybody opted to stay here. Underclassmen as well. We had several uh, players that will be juniors in eligibility this fall that uh, could have opted to come out, but but uh, it will be uh, no youths represented this year in the draft. But next year you can count on uh, a good crop of players coming out here. And then to follow up on that, in, in 2020, you had a lot of guys getting drafted, but you weren't able to hold a pro day because of COVID. How hard was that to, to not be able to hold one for all those guys? Yeah, I guess we didn't have one last year either, but we were supposed to and, and uh, had one on the uh, on the calendar. But that was tough for those guys. And, and uh, you know, this year, I guess there's still some uh, question on what the NFL is going to do, uh, you know, OTAs and that type of thing. But, but uh, it's... It's been different. Hopefully next year, knock on wood, we get back to normalcy and, and everything is uh, back to uh, the usual procedure and, and uh, we can go from there. Next up is Josh Newman, Salt Lake Tribune. Kyle, good morning. Morning, Josh. Um, just with the QBs, I, I, I know that you're not making any firm final decisions coming out of spring practice, but do you expect to be leaving spring, at least with a pecking order, knowing that Cam is still going to get his shot during the summer? Without a doubt. It's, uh, it's going to happen. We'll come out of spring with the five guys that have been getting to work in a, in a ranked uh, order and, and uh, on hierarchy. And, and, uh, and Cam will enter in, like you said, in the fall. And, and uh, it's really, you know, you can't uh, spend much time in the fall with any more than two quarterbacks getting the reps. So there'll be a short period of time where we'll probably have three guys involved. But, uh, you know, if Cam is able to uh, do everything and, and not be limited and take all the reps that we hope he's able to take, then it'll really be a two-man race. Just to follow up off topic, um, R.J. Hubert, you know, he was coming off the injury last year. You know, he wasn't a, a full, full go when the season started. What have you seen out of him so far as he tries to, you know, get back to 100% fully? Much better. He's, he's uh, where he was prior to the injury. And you're right, last year he was limited, uh, still had a lot of soreness and wasn't able to uh, function at the level that he's capable of. But right now he's back to, to uh, his old self and has had very few issues uh, this spring, you know, a little bit of soreness, but very, very minimal. And so it's good to see him back there. And he and Vontae Davis are uh, two guys that are really doing a good job at the safety position for us. Next, we'll have David James, followed by Cole Bagley of the Daily Utah Chronicle. Kyle, I'm curious, with the depth chart and the hierarchy you're talking about establishing, not just a quarterback, but at every position, does that is that going to lead to not just at your school, but with other programs too, uh, more transfers around the country? And will the transfer portal heat up again? Do you have a good feel for how that plays out, or is that <clears throat> a wild card even for you? Well, I'm sure there's going to be more guys enter the portal. The problem is it's so saturated now. Uh, there's probably, you know, literally one scholarship for every four or five players that are in the portal. And so uh, people got to be careful and, and smart with uh, how they proceed and how they handle things. But, yeah, it could. You know, when you come out of spring and you're not where you want to be, then I'm sure some guys will uh, exit. But uh, you hope guy, the majority of them will just continue to fight and compete and, and uh, continue to help the team any way they can. That's uh, 
hopefully that's not becoming completely a thing in the past. It could be a team guy and, and help out and, and find a role and embrace it, you know, whether it's special teams or whatever the case may be, and, and uh, help your team try to win a championship. And, and so that's we we're hoping the majority of our guys take that mentality and that attitude instead of just, uh, you know, sticking their name in the portal. Next, we'll have Cole Bagley, Daily Utah Chronicle. Good morning, Coach. How are you? Good morning. Doing good. Thank you. Good. Um, I was just curious, you know, now through two weeks, what are your overall impressions of Peter Costelli and Jaquindon Jackson and how, how they've per- been performing thus far? Very athletic players, big, big upside, uh, high ceilings for both those guys. But they're still, you know, Pete's just out of high school. He's just finished going to high school uh, about a month and a half ago. And so a couple months ago, so he's, he's uh, very early in his development. Uh, JJ, Jaquindon Jackson, has uh, a little more experience. He had a year at Texas where he was able to take a few reps. But uh, both those guys are tremendous athletes. Uh, Pete's a 10, 700-meter guy, and, and Jaquindon uh, looks like a linebacker and, so, and runs like a deer. So he's got uh, a lot of ability as well. And uh, we, we're, we're uh, very – uh, excited about their futures and optimistic about what they're going to bring to the program. And uh, we don't, we're not counting them out of the race yet either. I mean, just because I said Charlie Brewer is clearly number one right now, that doesn't mean that uh, some ground can be made up by, by those younger guys in the next three weeks. And just a quick follow-up, has, has there been any pleasant surprises from, from anybody? Sure. Yeah, we've had, we've had – uh, a lot of guys that have really stepped up. Bama Wilsonny, our offensive tackle, is playing uh, exactly as we hoped he would play when we recruited him. He's he's uh, really hitting his stride this spring. Uh, the two new running backs, T.J. Pledger and Chris Curry, doing a great job. Um, the the uh, the secondary that's still, I mean, we can say they had five games under their belt last year, but they're still pretty raw, and there's a lot of development that's taking place there, and those guys are all getting better, uh, you know, Clark Phillips is having an outstanding spring. Uh, Fabian Marks is progressing. So, yeah, there's a lot of guys that uh, are are showing good development and uh, needs to continue. You know, we're only two weeks in, so we've got a full, what, 60% of, of spring left in front of us. And, and that uh, that uh, has got to continue on, you know, as far as the development and getting better and, and uh, the fundamentals and the techniques improving. For our final question, we'll go back to Josh Newman, Salt Lake Tribune. Yeah, Kyle, um, your first opponent is Weber. Um, they're obviously going through a spring season right now. I'm curious, you know, with them with them playing a season, are you at all paying attention to what Weber is doing? Have you watched any of their games? Are you at all thinking about the opener yet? Sure. As coaches, we are. And we're watching uh, Weber State tape just yesterday, as a matter of fact. And we'll continue to do so as their season uh, continues to unfold and, and uh, not uh, exposing our players to any of it. That's not uh, something they need to be worrying about right now. They need to be worrying about becoming better football players and, and learning our scheme, and that's exactly what they're doing. And, and uh, the time for players to watch that tape will come later this summer. But uh, as coaches, you bet, we're, we're watching and, and uh, breaking down each game as they occur. There's Kyle Whittingham meeting with the media. And he gets up and leaves the chair, and that's that. Spring football. So, PK, Bam is looking good. That's good because we want offensive (laughs) linemen named Bam to look good. 
Uh, it's funny about him because he sure had a lot of hype. And it reminds me of those BYU guys when you got in the training camp in August. Is he going to come? Is he going to get here? There was like legendary guys, Walt Williams and Eddie Scipio come to mind when I was covering him for the watchdog. And you'd be down there every day. Is he coming today? Well, we'll see. We'll see. I don't know if those guys ever came. I don't remember. And Bam Oluwosini, he was like this mountain of a man who had the unusual name Bam. And he got there and he didn't play. <laughs> it's like, we so much time talking about this kid. And I'd actually forgotten about him a little bit until Kyle uh, Red said his name here just now. And like, oh, yeah, I remember him. It was like a couple years ago. Is he going to be here in time? Will he, if he gets here, you know, what, when will he be here? Will he be able to contribute? And then uh, they got other guys in there. And then they, this new group took over after they lost uh, some guys a couple years ago. And there's a bunch of youngsters. And now you hadn't heard much of about him, and then Kyle brings his name up, which is good. I mean, he, he's got to be a nine-year junior or senior by now. It <laughs> seems like uh, you know, he gives a junior college kid, if I remember. But, yeah, I remember that name. And there was some. sometimes guys take on legends that supersede their ability, particularly if they don't arrive in time and camp has started. Because you get to the third day, Kyle, who looked good today? I mean, okay. You know, you got to come up with something. Hey, how about Olosini? Is he going to be here? When's he going to be here? Oh, looks good. You know, he's got to do this, and we're not sure. And and then it becomes legend. It takes on a life of its own. And it would be good for him, obviously, if he can get out on the field. He is very big. I mean, there's no question about it. I mean, he was uh, like Jackson Barton was so huge, you know, just a real funny Jackson had that little baby face, but his body was just enormous. Olosini has this enormous body, too. If he can get out on the field, uh, assume he can help him. Bam is listed at 6'7", 335. So that right. is massive. And <laughs> yeah. he, his, his, uh, when you look at the roster, he's listed as from London, England. It's the kind of stuff that jumps out at you that adds to that legend you're talking about. Right. London, England to Garden City Community College, which I think right. is in Kansas. And yes. plays the Texas schools, I think, a little bit. And it's uh, a lot of j- a lot Kansas, of players. Kansas is its own league. They've got like oh, yeah, eight got or nine own... JUCO teams. In they've that got. State. They've had a Garden City has produced enough. Even though I've never, I have no idea where in Kansas Garden City Community College is. I, I've heard of them because they produce so many players. So many guys have passed through there. So it's like El Camino, huh? Yeah, right? El Camino. <laughs> yeah, John Featherstone was a longtime coach. He was there when I was there. He just. Uh... Passed, I think, earlier in this month. Alzheimer's at like 69, 70. And he'd had it for a few years. Uh, A tragedy for sure because he was a legend at El Camino. A number of guys, obviously Sarkeesian is one of the more prominent guys, but a number of guys over the years. And and, uh, those junior colleges, some of them do a really great job of producing some pretty good talent. And John Featherstone, obviously Frank has talked about him a lot when we have him on during the season because he played there before he came up here to Utah uh, in, what, the early 90s, uh, late 80s, early 90s. And so he knew him. And that's just somebody that we recognize, El Camino. It's like, yeah, okay, we've all heard of El Camino. Now that happened to be right there by the Torrent. Torrents were my work for Daily Breeze, so it was in our circulation. I'd been to their stadium many times over and so forth, and had seen Featherstone in our offices, and he was a good coach. Yeah, but the, the Olosini, and no surprise there that uh, Kyle says Charlie Brewer is way ahead of the competition 
because the competition right now has literally no experience. <laughs> so, and you're bringing in somebody who has a whole lot of experience. <laughs> so it would stand to reason that Charlie would be uh, heads and shoulders above, and that's taking nothing away from the youngsters because they'll have their opportunities down the line. And I think that uh, my, my goal for uh, Cam Rising is obviously to have him healthy because he won that job last year. And in retrospect, seeing what we saw, it's not a surprise. Uh, we didn't get much to see much of him, but what we saw of the other guy, Bentley, it just wasn't there. And so you can see why Rising would have won that competition. Hopefully they have more competition and he's healthy. I still think Brewer wins it, uh, but I want to see Rising get healthy and have that competition and whoever's good enough is uh, who they'll choose to be the starter. And then absolutely no surprise that they're watching Weaver. They're watching everybody. Those guys packing in the hours. They're, they're early in the morning, and they stay late and all that stuff. And so, yeah, they're watching film of of everybody. And, and what's amazing to me is you could pluck out somebody – uh, let's just go whomever, uh, UC Los Angeles, and you say, hey, well, what about this one kid that's coming in? And they'll know about him. These, the coaches at Utah will know about him because they just know about everybody to one degree or another. And uh, it, it's amazing how much they know about everything. And they, they and they got it right at their fingertips. They can recite kids that not that are not in their program. I told the story of uh, I went to Jersey Mike's in Hawthorne, California, and I was getting ready from media day, and I was getting ready to drive back home, stop to get a sandwich for the long commute, you know, the 10, 11 hour drive, and there's a big Polynesian kid, and uh, talking to him. You know, where from Utah? Oh, yeah, they recruited me. And he went to, I think he went to Maricosta, which is a Manhattan Beach high school. And uh, I don't remember the kid's name, but at the time I, I remembered it, right? Because it was uh, Pac-12 Media Day, which meant practice was starting the next week. So after practice, because uh, he, he played linebacker or something, I asked Kalani, because Kalani was still the D coordinator at Utah, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he lists like 20 things about the kid. <laughs> they know everybody. So, and they watch everything. So, of course, he's watched, they've watched tape of Weber State. And just the amount of knowledge that they have about all these things is really just incredible. And they care about all those details. They yeah. care, does a kid have a job? Okay, so maybe he's got a really good work ethic, and also maybe he's got more upside as a player because he's got to work, and he won't have to work when he gets here. We'll have him focused on football and the weight room and have more time to watch film and all that stuff. And uh, Kyle said once that he went, he knew that Louis Sakota would be good under pressure as a kicker because he wanted to watch him in a baseball game. And he said he was pitching, he was on the mound, he was so poised, and he said, it's just like kicking. You know, you're right there, and all eyes are on you, and you got to perform. You can't hide when you're on the mound. So they're watching other sports. They're watching other games, where guys work. They, they, they want to know everything. Yeah, this kid, I don't know where he ended up going to play college football, but he, his math was good because he gave me the correct change. Nice. They want to know that. <laughs> they look you in the eye. They want to know everything. <laughs> 
Everything. <laughs> it never stops. Uh, we talked earlier, we've got a couple minutes still here in this segment, PK. We talked earlier about Bruce Feldman ranking uh, Kyle as the 12th best coach in America. And i got to admit, my first reaction when I heard that was, I think that's a little on the high end for a guy who has been chasing a Pac-12 title for a decade and doesn't have it. And then I thought, well, how much would you drop? And I said, well, he'd still, I'd still probably have him top 20. And then I looked at the list, and that made me think, wait a minute, the same teams are winning conference titles every year. There aren't 11 coaches with conference titles in front of him. There are all kinds of guys in front of him that are chasing conference titles. Because, well, Dabo Sweeney has them all in the ACC. Nick Saban has most of them in the SEC. And Lincoln Riley's been reeling them in in the, in the Big 12. So pretty quickly you get to – to coaches who've plucked off one, and pretty quickly after that, you get to coaches who haven't won them, but have yeah. come close at schools you don't think of, like Matt Campbell at Iowa State. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's a similar trajectory to Kyle. So for all the people when I who thought like I did when you said 12, I was like, okay, they don't have the conference title and a Rose Bowl or a playoff. Well, Kirby Smart, does he have one? He's been to a playoff, but I can't remember if that was the year the SEC got two or if he actually pulled off one SEC title. Uh, yeah, but see, that that – that plays into what I've always believed. Coaches are judged by winning, for sure, mm-hmm. absolutely. But I don't necessarily think they're judged by titles. Right. And what I'm because yeah. I don't think Phil Jackson's any better than Jerry Sloan. If Jerry had had Michael Jordan, he would have won a bunch of titles. Or, or if Shaq he had Shaq, he would have won a bunch of titles. And I think coaching, you, you, winning, you can't discount it, right? You've got to win, right, Larry? Larry's a great guy, Christobiak, but he didn't win enough, so he's not the coach, mm-hmm. right? That's just the way it is. Uh, you know, highly compensated as he walks out the door, but he didn't win enough. Uh, I, I think what you, you need, you certainly need to win, but I think that you're judged for me. Did you put your guys in position to get the job done? And then it's up to them to get the job done. I, I agree with that, but I think when you got 130 college football teams and you do a top 25 list, everybody on the list will have, will have won. So the question comes, how much, and maybe more specifically to your point, okay. did you blow stuff you shouldn't have? Jim Harbaugh's on the list yeah, at yeah, 22, yeah, yeah. and that goes back to what I was telling you in the previous segment. Well, I think Michigan's got built-in advantages versus most of the Big Ten. Now, some of those have probably eroded over time. Other people, you know, facilities and all that. And, and being in another division gives a school like Wisconsin a chance to win something, and that builds them up. And it's, you know, something they didn't have 30 years ago when maybe they didn't have the facilities and they didn't have the division, so they couldn't claim something before they lost to Ohio State in the Big Ten title game. Mm-hmm. So I, the thing I thought when I saw the list that I really liked, which is why Kyle belongs in 12, is the people they put at 13, 14, 15. When I say these names, 90% of our listeners, maybe more, are going to know all these guys, but all these programs have slipped. So if you put them in a place to win, yes, but if you had a couple years that kind of make you wince. You know, TCU has been up and down, and certainly Gary Patterson is one of the best parallels for Kyle's career. You know, they should be close together. They did BCS Busters when they were in the Mountain West. They made the transition and have won at a pretty good level when they got into the Power Five. Well, Patterson's 15 and Kyle's 12, so you're splitting hairs there. And Kirk Ferentz and David Shaw are 13 and 14, and Iowa and Stanford have both had good runs, but then they've also both had a stretch where it hasn't been that good. I want to throw this out at you. Are Ryan Day and Lincoln Riley 
better than Kyle Whittingham. And that's why I started this in that when we talked about in the previous segment with, well, if you got built-in advantages, because Oklahoma's got them. The program was already up and running, and Oklahoma is one of the top ten college football programs of all time. And Utah is not one of the top ten football programs of all time. So it's real apples and oranges. And also, these coaches, uh, I would go to the Oregon and Oklahoma programs, you know, do it for 10 or 15 years because that's a trick in its own. You're going to lose your assistance. You may come in with a good staff, but there is definitely a trick to maintaining that. And Nick Saban has yeah, done it's called money. awesome job. Well, money is a big factor, no question. <laughs> and after a while, it's actually harder to put the second and third group together because when you're putting the sixth group together, the coaches are coming to you because now Nick, it's like, well, he's going to rehabilitate my career. I mean, we can go through a list of people Coaches who were deemed failures, who went and stood next to Nick on the sideline. Maybe he yelled at them, fine, but they went off and got cool jobs. Oh, well, yeah, there's, you only there's need a to have one list. name, and that's Mike Lockley. <laughs> okay. That's it. You don't need <laughs> right, any other but, name. But Sarkeesian just got the Texas job, right? Yeah, but that, that was inevitable. But, but, because you, Lockley nobody was not sucked, inevitable. <laughs> nobody sucked at, at New Mexico like Mike Lockley did. So, sure. Those guys, that's a, you get what you pay for there, and they're paying these guys enormous amounts of money. Uh, and nothing against Ryan Day and Lincoln Riley. I'm sure they're great. Mm-hmm. But I have no doubt that Kyle would be just as good or better at those places. And I wonder if... They would be that good at Utah. Yeah, precisely. Yep, I do too. Uh, Lincoln Riley is fourth, and uh, Ryan Day is eighth. But to go back to your Phil Jackson uh, comparison, you know, the, all the people who don't like Phil getting all the run for the 11 championships, well, could he do it over here at so-and-so? Well, he didn't take those jobs. <laughs> when he left Chicago, he was picky. He took the Laker job. I'll sit Smart out here. I'll wait. You know, yeah. and so, so Ryan Day, I mean, there's, you know, Utah or TCU or Iowa State or wherever else you want to throw in there. Ryan Day got on the Ohio State staff and uh, positioned himself well. So now he's twenty three and two. But that's apples and oranges to you know what Matt Campbell's got to do at Iowa State or what Kyle's had to do at Utah. It, it's really you know these lists are going to be arbitrary. You just got to hope that someone's in the in the right ballpark. All right, DJ and PK. It's ninety seven five at twelve eight of the zone. Time to bring in Andrew Reinhardt from Wasatch Medical Clinic and. Andrew, I guess the question is uh, people uh, have to decide before they go to Wasatch Medical is do they want to uh, take the pill or, in some cases, do they want to stop taking the pill? And I'm sure you hear from people who want to stop taking the pill. Yes. If uh, you're struggling with ED, I'm yet to meet a man that enjoys taking the pill. Uh, for a lot of guys, it doesn't work. For a lot of guys, they have to take more and more of it to get the same effect. So that means that the side effects are increased. Um, they get headaches. They get blurred vision kind of a hangover feeling the next day, and then eventually it stops working. Uh, And we've been doing that for 30 years. Um, Until 2011, the FDA registered one device uh, for acoustic wave therapy. A bunch of clinical studies were done on that technology, uh, showing that it can regrow blood vessels. That's what we're using, and using it to treat the root cause problem of ED. We've helped so many guys get off the pill, uh, I had a 45-year-old guy who had pretty severe ED, actually, was able to get back to function like when he was 30, which I thought was really cool. Maybe not 20, but 30 was still pretty good. Uh, Eliminate the pill and get normal function back in the bedroom. 
So as you do this, you hear about the top causes of the ED because the guys are probably asking themselves, why does this happen? Yeah. I think that a lot of it is around the American lifestyle, to be honest with you. As we age and maybe as we eat as well, blood vessels, they get hardened. So they cannot dilate when the timing is right. Um, And it's so normal. It's so common. There's so many men suffering with this. If you're out there frustrated to any degree in the bedroom, I promise there's a lot of guys like you. Uh, Our technology can help uh, no matter what the health condition is. All right, you got a a deal. Our listeners love deals, discounts, special offers. We do. Call us. Put a stop to the ED, guys. Uh, We really believe in delivering a lot of value. Uh, You'll meet with our doctor. Uh, He'll do an assessment. He'll do an exam. He'll even do a blood flow ultrasound, all at no charge with no obligation. Uh, A little enhanced gift as a thank you for coming in that produces immediate results in the bedroom. You'll love that. Uh, Call us. It's all no charge. Guys, you can call Wasatch Medical right now, 801-901-8000. Andrew Reinhardt, Wasatch Medical Clinic, 801-901-8000. The number is 801-901-8000. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you, guys. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We are joined now by David Locke. His weekly interview is brought to you by the Murdoch Auto Team. David, good morning. Good morning, DJ. Good morning, PK. How are you? Good. We're good. I don't know how you handled it this year. In past years, I always thought the uh, the NBA trade deadline was a massive sugar rush for you, and that today you'd just be, you'd just be coming down off of it now, coming off the sugar high. But... I'm curious if you agree with our listeners, because our listeners on our Facebook page, when the deadline hit, what would you think? The team that got the most mentions, that got the most praise as a team the Jazz fans do not like to praise or do not like to say nice things about, that's the Denver Nuggets. But our listeners thought the Nuggets did very well for themselves. Do you agree? I do. I think Portland did better. I would say Portland was the winner of the trade deadline, not Denver. Um, and then they get all their guys back coming up here. So I think they're even more the winner of the second half of the season. Um, I, you know, could make an argument that Utah and Phoenix and the Clippers are the winner as well. Time will tell what Andre Drummond does, but the Lakers didn't do anything. And that might be as important as anything else. Had Kyle Lowry ended up on the Lakers, that would have been a pretty big shift in the Western Conference to an already loaded team. Um, so they weren't able to do that. They pulled off something else to, to give them a little bit more depth and talent. Uh, maybe the moves that weren't made were the biggest. The Clippers talking about Lonzo Ball. I didn't quite understand how they would ever get it done. But if they did, instead they end up with Rajon Rondo. So from a Phoenix-Denver Utah standpoint, I think maybe the biggest story of the West is actually what didn't happen. Now, I think Portland got better and Denver filled a gap. I'm still not certain whether I think Aaron Gordon is good um, or that's not the right way to phrase it. NBA players are all good. But whether Aaron Gordon directly helps winning or not is still not clear to me. Um, And whether or not he's, you know, we still think of him as the fourth pick of a draft, whether he's that type of player or whether we just love the concept of a 6'9", 240-pound elite athlete and think of what he could be rather than what he actually is. But they did fill a gap. Millsap was giving them very little. Jermichael Green wasn't giving them a lot. Gary Harris, um, you know, they had to trade something. 
The only other piece of that that I would say, and, you know, again, uh, there's just a lot here. Denver has had this unique collection of talent over the last, you know, if you look at Denver about three or four, two years ago, maybe, they had Malik Beasley and they had Juan Herman Gomez and they had Gary Harris and they had Will Barton and they had uh, Bull Bull and they had Michael Porter Jr., and I thought they were really primed to add a third star um, or even a second star next to Jokic. And, they did, and if Aaron Gordon is accumulation of that, to me, that's, as a Jazz fan, that's good. Because I thought that could have been Bradley Beal. I thought that could have been, you know, uh, frankly, they probably should have tried to pull a Gordon Hayward sign and trade. Like, I just thought there was a really high-quality player that, without question marks, that Denver could have added, considering the fabulous job Tim Conley had done in drafting talent for that team, and that they end with Aaron Gordon, to me, is a little bit of a, eh, you know? It's like it's a grilled cheese sandwich without, like, tomato or bacon. What kind of bread? <laughs> Maybe wheat. Okay. Well, the go healthy option. Good call. Right. I mean, like, it's not like on great sourdough. <laughs> right. And it's not fancy. It's not fancy like breachers <laughs> cheese or something. Like, it's just regular good old, like, you know, pull the American cheese out of the plastic. It's not, it's not like a gourmet, like grilled cheese sandwich there. I mean, I, Calvin Booth is, is a great guy. I covered him in Seattle. He's done a good job as a GM. I'm, I'm, and Tim Conley's done amazing work there. I'm not, I, I, you know, the world might not have lined up for them. I'm not trying to be critical of the Nuggets. I'm just looking at it from a Jazz perspective. They're really, really good. They're the most underrated team. You go to whatever betting site out there. I was on Bet Online this morning to look at it. Their odds are still like just way lower than I think they should be. I think they're every bit as legitimate a title contender as anyone else in the West. So they got better, but. You know, over the last 12 to 18 months, I've looked at that roster like, oh, my gosh, they're going to pull something off, and they didn't. Rye's always disappointing. Not a fan of the rye. Yeah, rye. Rye, those, you know, pumpernickel would probably no. not be good either. Yeah, no no, no point in that. My wife, uh, the focaccia bread, she first thought it was pronounced focacchiki, which always <laughs> amused me. Oh, I thought it was pronounced focaccia. Well, it depends on where you're from in the country. I'm from back east. I don't know wheat and right. sour. Or, I mean, if you're from Sandy versus if you're from, like, you know, Murray, then it's really different, mm-hmm. too. Oh, drastic differences in these neighborhoods. Right. I, I mean, mean, focaccia seems like a little, like, strange for a grilled cheese. I, I don't think there's so, anything focaccia-esque about this perform. This. I mean, I just think this is, like, the right. old, like, sourdough with, like, cheddar cheese inside. They didn't even go Swiss. Like, uh, I mean, this isn't like stopping at the Beaver Creamery on the way to St. George and getting your, like, really awesome grilled cheese. This is not what they did. I've never stopped at that place. I've seen it a million times. Is it worth stopping there? Yeah, absolutely. It's become a, we, we do this drive quite a bit for golf. Um, whether it's to Southern California, Vegas, or yeah, St. George, sure. and right. um, that has become a staple. And the ice cream's really good. Have to do not it surprising when we first went this summer, the mask wearing was not at an elite level. It improved as the summer went on. 
I will okay. admit we walked in and left once. So I'm curious about the Clippers move. Uh, adding Rondo, how much does he have left in the tank? He did help the Lakers a little bit, but he had LeBron too. How much is he going to help the Clippers, and how much will they miss Lou Williams? How much does he have left in the tank? To me, this is a larger statement of where that the Clippers aren't out of last year's issues. That the Lou Williams, Patrick Beverly, Montrez Harrell team of two years ago that got invaded by superstars Kawhi Leonard and Paul George really is and was a significant problem for the chemistry of that team. And so they let Mon- like Montrez Harrell revealed the truth in the offseason when he said they didn't even offer me a deal. It was like, oh, well, then that's about you, not about them, because you're a pretty good player. So if they're not offering you a deal, they clearly wanted you out. And now Lou Williams goes. I think that reveals that that was a real issue that maybe was still lingering on a team that has not been particularly, um, you know, consistent or shown that kind of that special stuff they might have. So I would, I would say there might be like not trying to be like there might be real addition by subtraction there. That this is them finally clearing house of what's been problematic to them as a chemistry of a group. The second thing on that trade is it showed that the, the obvious desperation that they just clearly don't think they have enough and that they needed some sort of ball handling. Rondo is a way better passer and ball handler and distributor than, um, than Patrick Beverly, so that'll be an upgrade. But he is 36. I don't know what he has left. He somehow has shot 40% in the playoffs the last two times he's been in the playoffs, so there is the phenomenon that is playoff Rondo. Will he respect Kawhi Leonard the way he respected LeBron James? Or will he respect Paul George the way he didn't respect Ray Allen? That, you know, he's a mercurial dude, and that's going to be, um, you can ask Ron Boone sometime about his Rajon Rondo run in. Like, this is a, this is a guy that's not easy to get along with. So, um, it'll be interesting to see how he plays. I think Ty Lu. Might have been with Rondo in Boston, so he would understand him and was there the night that Davis Snapplebottle went through the film session screen. Um, if he was Doc Rivers' assistant at the time, I'd have to look back and see if that's still true. Um, if I, I didn't, I meant to check that today and I didn't, but maybe you guys can. Um, so, you know, I think it helps them. I think it's a larger statement of that they still had things that are wrong. I don't think it's a game changer. I think Lonzo Ball would have been, I, you know, you know, Ricky Rubio could have gone there. I don't know that that like that wouldn't have put fear in my heart. Um, you know, I think George Hill would have gone there, and that's a little bit of a box of chocolates. So, you know, Rondo's probably as good a selection. Once they couldn't go get Lonzo Ball or pull off some sort of high caliber starting point guard. You mentioned winners is the Jazz. Elaborate, please. Well, I just. I mean, they're the number one seed in the West, and Kyle Lowry's not on the Lakers, and Lonzo Ball's not on the Clippers, and you're not going to get away with nobody getting better. I think Portland got a lot better. Um, the way it lines up right now, you might see Portland in the second round. I think Denver-Portland will end up being a 4-5 matchup in the second round unless Denver catches the Clippers, in which case then I guess the, you know, uh, or a 4-5 first-round matchup. I think Portland, Portland will be in 4-5. Denver might catch the Clippers, so it might be Clippers Portland in the first round with Denver Phoenix in the first round, and uh, or Denver sorry in the second round. Um, so I I think you know just the sense that 
nobody made nobody got like that star piece. The biggest piece that moved was Nikola Vukovic. Now let's see. Does Lamarcus Aldridge end up in Miami and Andre Drummond end up in New York? There's my dream scenario. That we just don't add anything. Andre Drummond to the Lakers could have a little bit of an impact. Drummond's not efficient. He's really a bad offensive player, but he's huge and takes up space and they need bodies right now. They need anything they can get um, just to help them get through this stretch or they're going to end up playing in a playing game. And I think the second note, um, you know, Dallas, I think, is lingering out there as a possibility for some of these buyout teams. And, you know, that gets interesting because if they get better, they force the Lakers into the play-in game by catching the Lakers. But I also think that Dallas any defense, but that with Luca, we just don't have anyone who can guard him, and Chris Dapps does everything to us that we don't want to deal with as poor as he's been this year. So the Jazz trade for Matt Thomas, sharpshooter from Toronto, but Nick Nurse's coach has a quote about, yeah, he can shoot it, but he gives up too many points at the other end. He can't shoot enough to make up for all of that. Does that change with the Rudy Gobert behind him? Does he crack the rotation so we can find that out? He's under contract for a year and a half at like $1.7 million, so I guess they got 18 months or so to figure this out. Uh, what, what did you think of that trade, and what does that mean? I think I think that last sentence you put in there is actually pretty important with Donovan maxing out and Rudy maxing out and Boyan in a pretty hefty contract and Joe not cheap. Like, I think the fact is that the Jazz are going to have to have some minimum contract players that can contribute. Matt Thomas has an elite-level skill. He can move, He can shoot on the move, and he can shoot standing still at a very high level. Now, we don't run a lot of the Wayne Ellington, J.J. Redick, type Kyle Corver loop plays, but maybe we will for him. Um, we did with Corver for a while, so Quinn's obviously adaptable. Um, the one thing on Thomas that I've done, he's a name that always shows up. Like this offseason, I was trying to find like the next Duncan Robinson, Davis Bertans. I really believe in the six foot seven, six foot eight, high volume three point shooter. And the, you know, there were three names that continually came up for me. Um, Mihailik, uh, who Detroit just traded Oklahoma City. Boyan Bogdanovich, interestingly, I think we could actually start to think about him a little differently in that sense. You know, he's six seven, six eight, takes eight threes a game and has been 40% for the last two years. He's 37 right now. Um, he'll probably get back to 40. And then Matt Thomas, but Matt Thomas was six four, and that's different. So now you're, you know, at best and I don't think he'll ever do this, J.J. Redick, and more likely, and I don't know if he'll even do this, be Wayne Ellington. Those are different types of players. The six seven six eight shooter has that shooting pocket just enough higher they can get it off. But he's, he shows up when you look for elite-level shooters that might be able to be a high-volume threat. He shows up. Your opinion of Alex Jensen staying, how big of a deal is it? You know, it's interesting. I just finished Locked on Jazz. When I finished Locked on Jazz, I... So I actually think it's really important for a few different reasons. So thank you for asking, PK. One, I think it's massively important for the Jazz because of his importance to the franchise, his connection. Quinn trusts him impeccably. Um, and I think he's really, really important. Um, number two. I think it's a statement a little bit by Ryan Smith. I don't know if Ryan Smith gave him a raise or if Ryan Smith has just sent a message to the staff 
that this is a place you want to be. We're going to take care of you. You want to be a part of this organization. You know, this is a positive place to be. I think that, and, and maybe that's, you know, frankly, the Jazz staff has not been on the highest end pay. I mean, you know, the Knicks probably have five coaches paid more than Alex. That's because they're in New York. So sometimes it's hard to tell what that means. L.A. probably has five coaches paid more than Alex, too. And, like, is that because the Jazz are cheap or because Utah's not as expensive as L.A.? So there's something. But at some point you have to say, you know what, if you're, like, the lead assistant on the number one team in the Western Conference and with the best record, we're going to compensate you. So I'm going to guess that there was probably some please stay and a little bit of a statement to the rest of the coaching staff that, you know what, like we understand that Antonio Lang got a big money deal to go to Cleveland and Zach Guthrie got a nice deal to go to Dallas. And these were all upgrades. And this is what happens when you have a brilliant staff that people are going to get taken away. Well, we're going to do what we can to see if you decide maybe you don't want to leave. So I, I think this is all part of kind of Ryan Smith, these little subtle, they're not subtle, frankly, and they're not little. These big things Ryan Smith is doing, Jordan Clarkson returning, Rudy re-signing, Alex Jensen staying. Like, it's a beginning to be a pattern of behavior that in Salt Lake City, Utah, we're building a place people want to be and, and want to take part in. And Ryan Smith talks about trying to do this from a business standpoint. If still, you know, quite frankly, if Silicon Slopes is going to become Silicon Valley Jr. or even Silicon Valley senior, the, they, we have to overcome a lot of perceptions and realities, not just perceptions. I think that's one of our larger flaws as a state. We just call them perceptions. They're realities about what we don't have here and so how we're going to bring and be able to recruit from a business standpoint the full ledger and full roster of potential employees for these great companies we're building so we can be the best in the world and the jazz are the same thing how do you get it so that you can recruit the best coaches the best front office people the best staff members to the organization and the best players that you're not suddenly choosing from a small percentage because people don't want to come to utah so that's a small that's you know it's a it's a bigger image issue for utah but this is part of it and the fact that Alex didn't take a head coaching job at his alma mater, I think, is significant. Are the Jazz going to go three and zero against the Grizzlies, or are they going to no drop chance. one? No chance, right? If you go three and zero against the Grizzlies, it's another one of those wow moments, right? Like, I mean, I mean, if you just take it, like, I don't know what our win probability is today. I mean, you can go look online and find like the odds and figure it out. But let's say. You know, we have a 65% chance of winning today. I would guess that that's probably about it. Well, if you have a 65% chance three times of something, you have almost no chance of happening three times in a row, right? Unless uh, the team's got a different mindset and is determined that every game matters and they don't care about anything else and they are going into lockdown mode and they've had it. That last road trip sucked. And they got an edge. I think if you're in midseason, hey, let's go out and play pretty well mode, then you're probably going to drop a game. So, I mean, or, if, you know, if you're in the playoffs, you drop one too, right? Even if you're superior. Most people don't gentlemen sweep four, four or five. So, um, you know, I think it's a good test. Um, Taylor Jenkins is a remarkable coach. He used to be an assistant for Quinn in Austin. He's just done amazing work there. Uh, Brad Jones, former jazz assistant, on that bench. 
Ja Morant's great. Interesting little note, they're 29th in the league in half-court offense, and we're number one in the league in half-court defense. They're 29th in the league in three-point attempts, and they're 29th in the league in three-point shooting. They, they scored over 50 points in the paint in a bunch of games recently. So, you know, we, they don't match up well against us unless, you know, they really don't. Like, they like to get to the rim, and we've got Rudy. So, you know, in that sense, if we can, the big change that took place after Washington and Golden State is we kept uh, Chicago and whomever we just played, oh, Brooklyn, kind of, uh, out of transition. And so if we can keep, you know, them down to 15% of their possessions in transition, then I think you could win all three. But I would suspect in one of those three games, they get out and run all of it. David, as always, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for uh, hopping on with us here. You guys are fabulous. <laughs> Thank you, David. You're pretty fabulous yourself. Congrats. Thank you. All right. See you. David Locke's weekly interview brought to you by the Murdoch Auto Team. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Number one. The Zone Sports Network is Utah's number one choice for sports radio in Utah. From DJ and PK to Hanson Scotty and the Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, the Zone continues to dominate the competition. Thank you to all of you that continue to make the Zone Sports Network Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports station. Your home for the best coverage of the teams you're passionate about is right here. 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ PK brought to you apart by Mark Miller. DJ and PK in the morning is brought to you by Mark Miller Subaru. Just talk with David Locke about a lot of stuff, but mostly about the trade deadline, winners, losers, all that kind of stuff. Uh, PK, you may have seen it. The Athletic did a, a big piece uh, regrading the mega trades of the 2010s, how monster deals look now. And sometimes the what we think the next morning is really how things work out. But there are a lot of examples that there's stuff hidden in deals that really turns out uh, can help teams or things we thought were going to work out really didn't seem to matter that much in the long run. So we've got what we think this morning of everything, but uh, one of the trades they regraded was the Carmelo trade uh, when when he went from Denver to New York. And in that cache of draft picks was the draft pick uh, that became Jamal Murray. So, as they point out, there's the rare trade that's still having an impact on a team 10 years later. And it's hard to factor all that stuff in. We're looking at, hey, how's it going to impact the next two months of the regular season and the playoffs? And which of these deals is going to be a big deal You know, three or five years from now? Uh, that could be different. Well, you get a draft pick. That doesn't mean you get a player. That just exactly. means you get a draft pick. Right. And so you have to cash in on that draft pick, and you just don't know how that's going to turn out until you make the pick and then give that player however long he needs to develop if he, in fact, does develop. And the Jamal Murray one, I don't remember all the details, but you brought it to my attention right now. And so, obviously, he's a player. I look at Aaron Gordon, and rather than overanalyze and dissect it 100 different ways, is he better than Paul Millsap? Yes. So that makes him a better team. Simple as that. 
Some of these trades also clear ways for guys to really blossom. And the best example of that, and probably will not be replicated because this is too good an example and it just isn't replicated very often, but they went into the Monte Ellis trade where Golden State, it isn't so much what they got back. I mean, the guys that got back helped them, and that was fine. Uh, but what it really did was free up shots and put the ball in the hands of two guys who are ready to emerge. And Steph Curry and Clay Thompson went crazy once they became the focus of the offense. So there's other stuff, you know, who just cleared way for a guy to take off. And just because that guy takes off doesn't make him Steph Curry because Steph Curry is an all-timer. Sure. You want an opportunity to show what you got. Everybody wants that. It doesn't matter where you're drafted. Who, who, just, all you want is an opportunity. And once you get that opportunity, what you do with it is largely up to you. And we can blame. I know BYU fans like to talk about Jimmer and he didn't get a chance and this and that. All right, it, it just wasn't going to happen to the level that they all fantasized and wanted it to happen because Jimmer is such a phenomenal kid and we all wanted him to have success and all that stuff. But sure, absolutely, I understand that. It just didn't happen. Now, in the case of Steph Curry, yeah, it did. And he went probably better than anybody expected. You want that opportunity. And I really believe that once you get that opportunity, it's up to you to determine what you do with it. You take a look at Joe Ingles, and he's talked about many times over on our show, two things I need you to do, speaking from Quinn Snyder, I need you to play the best defense you can play and sprint to the corner and make a three. Right. <laughs> right. And he's talked about that. And obviously he took that to heart, man. It's such a phenomenal success story because he took exactly what Quinn Snyder was telling him that he needed to do, and he did it. And then once you do that, it's like my father used to tell me, man, do the very best you possibly can at whatever job you have. You don't, when you're 21, you probably don't have the job you want for the next 40 years. But as long as you have your eye on that job, the only way you're going to get that job is to kick butt in the job you're doing. That's the way it works. And that's exactly the way it worked for Joe Ingles. Do what I'm telling you to do the best of your ability. He did it. And then more was added on to him where to now, obviously, he's a critical component on a team that has the best record in the league. He is seventh man of the year. <laughs> I want that to be a thing desperately. Who Why not? Why stop at six? Who hey, in this? junior high, how many awards do they give you, right? You get, you get enough to where everybody gets one. Why did we stop at six? What seventh is how is that not let any less important or many more important? I don't think it, it's not necessarily either less or more. It's very important. The seventh man on a team can make a huge contribution, and Joe Ingles is that guy. But I think that the whole Joe Ingles story thing goes back to what you said about Quinn. Like you gave him two things to do. You yeah. know, and how many, you know, we've all worked for, you know, well, it depends on how old you are, how many bosses you've had, but you accumulate bosses pretty quickly. And, you could go back and look at all the people who managed you, whether they managed you a little or they managed you a lot. You know, in TV, you can have like three or four different people managing you, and it's all a little different. Um, you know, an assistant news director, a news director, a general manager. But when they give you something specifically they want done, and then they hold you accountable specifically for that thing, that's much better than the old moving target. Or the boss okay. who doesn't talk sure. to you for yeah, six yeah, months you. at a time. You're like, what are we doing here? <laughs> you know, what are we doing here? So 
And so to be told, Joe, do these two things, it goes back to what you said about coaching. You can't just grade them on championships because obviously whoever has Shaq has a shorter path to a championship. Whoever has LeBron has a shorter path to a championship. It's still not easy to get there. They still don't get there more than they do. But why did Joe take off? Well, there's a bunch of reasons and his work ethic and his attitude and all the things. But man, with coaching, it's like, I need this at this end of the floor and I need that at that end of the floor. Uh-huh. And you do those two things and you build from there. Ultimately, one day he said, you know, he said, hey, I'm going to need you to run some pick and rolls. Hey, I'm going to need you to really get good at throwing this lob pass because we got a guy who's going to finish lobs at the rim 99% of the time. So, you know, he added other things. But, man, when you're brand new and your head is spinning and you don't know anybody and you're still down because you just got cut by the Clippers and all that, to be told two things. Okay, I get two things I can focus on, you know. Yeah, yeah, Take yeah, that first bite of the apple and then go from there. All right. All right, DJ and PK. Andrew Reinhardt joins us now from Wasatch Medical Clinic. And, uh, Andrew, a breakthrough treatment that doesn't involve a pill, injections, or surgery uh, I've told you many times I flinch every time I hear injections, and I don't even know with surgery. I don't even want to contemplate it. <laughs> yes. These are all, unfortunately, these are realities for guys with severe erectile dysfunction. It starts by taking the pill, then a little more of the pill, then the pill stops working, and it gets ugly really quick. For 30 years, there was no advancement. And then in the last maybe eight or nine years, acoustic wave therapy, we use the two most advanced versions 42 clinical studies, including Cambridge University, backing our exact technology showing it can repair damaged blood vessels. Uh, A process called neovascularization takes place in this part of the body. More blood flow, more growth. Uh, That's a great thing for a, a guy struggling with ED. If we sit back and think about it, ED is a blood flow issue. That's what we're treating. Uh, we've helped a lot of guys turn back the clock and eliminate the need for the pill. So what kind of results are you hearing? Really good results. Generally, it starts with skepticism and a little embarrassment. And I think the feedback we get is, I'm so glad I don't have to take the pill. Uh, it didn't make me a 20-year-old in the bedroom, but it made me maybe a 30-year-old in the bedroom. That's pretty cool. Um, the success rate is very high. A lot of the clinical studies say above 90%. So the feedback has been great. And you've got a special offer for people who are thinking, maybe I should try this out. Now's the time because you got a deal. Yeah, let's get your love life back on track. Call us now. We'll do the assessment, the exam. You'll meet with our doctor at no charge. He'll do a blood flow ultrasound even free, uh, a little enhanced gift that produces immediate results in the bedroom also. You'll love that. Give us a call here at Wasatch Medical now. It's no charge. Guys, you can uh, have that first meeting right now. All you got to do is call Wasatch Medical, give them a call, and claim the offer at 801-901-8000. 801-901-8000. Call 801-901-8000. DJ and PK brought to you in part by SNS Roofing. Their huge winter and spring sales event is going on right now where you can save thousands on a new roof. Call pound 250 and say SNS Roofing for your free bid. This segment is brought to you by SNS Roofing. They are bringing you football. It's a weird, weird time, PK. Spring football, pro day. The Utes don't have one. They literally either they got super seniors coming back or guys transferred or they, they just they don't have one. And uh, Kyle, we had him on earlier this morning, 8 a.m. He did his media availability and he said, yeah, this doesn't usually happen, but yeah, every once in a while, and this is the one for me. And for BYU, 
31 teams showing up, except for the Rams, which is a no comment on BYU. They're simply not sending people out to pro days. I don't know if they're saving money or health conscious or just think they're a waste of time or whatever. But everybody else is on hand. What are they going to learn? Well, I don't know how much they're going to learn. I just think the whole idea that 30 of the 31 of the 32 or whatever it is that you just mentioned is at BYU right now is a great sign as far as the advancement of BYU football. You know, Bronco used to talk about, well, he didn't know if the pro lifestyle was what he wanted for his players. He had no right to decide that. That's up to the players and the kind of money that they could possibly get. Uh, that's good for them if they can get it. Uh, And I think that with Kalani, they've embraced the idea of trying to build an NFL program. And to me, this is a major step. Symbolically, this is telling people BYU football is on the rise. That's what I think the big deal is, to see Zach Wilson throw and all this stuff. I've been watching him throw for six years, right, Uh, as far as that goes. So I know he can throw the football and – He'll get his shot, and like we were just talking about, it's up to him what he does with his shot when he gets it because he'll get it. But the Isaiah Kafusis of the world and and all these kids that are there, and they've got some kids from uh, last year who didn't get an opportunity, like uh, what, Hefo was going to be there, you know, because of last year we know what happened with the quarantine at this time last year and all. So the fact that they've got a large number of kids there representing BYU is, to me, it's a real great symbolic message and that all these NFL teams want to go there and be at the facility that we've all been in on BYU there, caddy corner from the football offices, the indoor place, is a tremendous level of accomplishment because it just seems like for a few years there, BYU and NFL, they weren't synonymous. And rarely were they getting a guys drafted and if they got a guy drafted it was one player and that was it well if you want to be big time football that BYU professes it wants to be you've got to have NFL guys you've got to send the message of this is a program that can get you to the NFL don't downplay it don't ignore it embrace it and thrive in it and say absolutely We've got guys on our staff who can get you where you want to go. Herm Edwards has built a program around that. We'll see if it pays off in terms of winning big because he hasn't done that yet. He's gotten a lot of buzz. He's got to win eventually sooner than later for him. He's going into his fourth season. He's got to win. But they embrace the pro thing. Don't run from it. Embrace it. And I think today – is uh, symbolically speaking, I think it's important for BYU football. They're already hitting recruiting with it. Everything's about recruiting. On social media, they got a nice graphic out. It's got 31 logos on the left-hand side. On the right-hand side, it says, Pro Day, 55 NFL personnel from 31 NFL teams attending BYU. So all the 16-year-olds want to go to the NFL, whether they want to or not, whether they can or not. When you're 16, 17, you're dreaming about it. So throw it out there. You know, with Bronco throwing it out there, he didn't have that many pros. And if you've been around pro sports, you've heard stories that make you flinch no matter who you are. It's easy to say it's BYU and it's a BYU thing. But whoever you are, you've heard stories that make you flinch. So that was just an easy thing for him to say in the moment and deflect on the fact they didn't have enough. I mean, he didn't want to kick Taysom Hill off the roster, and Taysom Hill had NFL talent. Oh, get away from here. Taysom, don't do that. Come on. 
everybody around BYU wants to see Taysom do well and get as much of an opportunity as he can and crush it as much as he can. So I think that's why he blurted that out. And Kalani knows that if you're going to win and if you're going to beat these Power 5 teams that are on his schedule, that he's charged with winning. His job literally depends on it. Not in any one game, but big picture it depends on it. You better have pros because they're going to have guys of that caliber. So pump it. you got to work it. And they are working it. This is going to say something that sounds really redundant, but difference makers make the difference. Right? That is really what it comes down to. And to have the guy who demands the double team, uh, that, that makes the play callers, offensive or defensive side of the ball, that much smarter. You know, there's a reason Kyle says recruiting is 90% of the deal. You know, and it's not that they don't work on schemes because they do, but man, you get an NFL quarterback and an NFL running back and an NFL wide receiver, and you'll go a long way. And, and you see it. All the elite teams, when you do the draft, you look back and you're like, well, that's why those teams are ranked top five or top ten. That's why they're in the playoff or the conference title game. They got the pros. And then what's even better for BYU in this respect, if you take these kids that are three stars, the star ranking is such a big deal. And whether it's true or not, uh, it doesn't really matter because we still make it a big deal, right? And I buy the logic, the more four and five stars you can accumulate, the better you're probably going to be. You can't necessarily pinpoint player XYZ four-star is going to turn into Kyle Van Noy. Uh, You don't know that. But the more of those you get, the better chance you are that some of them are going to develop. So I like the fact that they could also point to, as Kyle's been able to do just a thousand times over, we took player ABC, and whether he was highly recruited or not, we developed him into a first-day, early second-day draft pick. Yeah, yeah. Pump that up. And so for BYU, you know, they get the, the BYU's recruiting rankings, they're, ne- they're never really a true measure for better or worse because you're going to get kids and they'll sign and, and say in 2020, they sign 22 kids, whatever. Okay, well, at least half of them now, if not more, I don't know what the percentages are, go away for two years. So the point being, they've got some players that they actually signed in 2017 or 2018 that are going to be on the 2021 roster as a first-year player, and we sort of forget about them. Nerds like Yach, he knows them, but i got to admit, I forget about them and, uh, until they get out on the field, and then I see them do well. And so to – to put a level or a number on BYU's recruiting is somewhat uh, stupid because of the fact they've got so many kids coming and going on missions. But the thing about it is not all these kids are highly rated, and if you can get these players and then develop them to where pro people want to come watch them play or work out on their pro day, that's pretty awesome because that's what it's about too. So I think, and, and probably more so for BYU because – traditionally they aren't going to get the four- and five-star stud. And that's fine if you can't get them. It's great if you can get them. And, you know, the Alabamas of the world just roll them off like an assembly line. But how do you develop kids? What is your weight training program? What is your strength and conditioning and all that stuff? What type of uh, equipment and facility do you have to make these kids bigger, stronger, faster, blah, 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 the cliches that we use? And then if they can make it in the NFL, you can point to those guys. You know, I don't know what was Yak. You may know this. What was Brady Christensen? I know he's all over uh, pro people, but what? Yeah. 
what what star was he coming out of high school? I really don't know. So he's actually had a really interesting story. He's a two star prospect, just kind of yeah. an afterthought. He did not get an offer from BYU until signing day. He did not have an offer, and they ended up offering him literally last second. And now he's blossomed into a mid round pick. That's great. So pump that up, sell that big time. Look at what we did with this kid. He's a local kid, right? At a bountiful. Yep, bountiful and, high. Uh, so yeah, he came down to us and. You know, he put in his time. He did what he needed to do. The kid needs to do it, too. It can't be all on the staff. But we helped develop him, and now we've got uh, 30 teams that want to talk to him. And he's going to most likely be on an NFL roster. That's where I think BYU is really moving beyond that 4-9 season. You know, obviously the 11-1, and some of it was built upon weaker competition. We understand that, and that's a fact. I still believe they had a good team because look at all the pros that are coming to watch their guys, right? They're not coming to watch these guys solely because they're 11-1 and and beat a bunch of cream puffs. No, they're coming to watch these guys because it's worth their time and money and investment to get their butts into Provo. And to do that, yeah. And I understand Bevel's there, and his daughter plays on the softball team. And who's with who's Bevel with now? Now with the Jaguars, he's worked with Urban. He's his offensive coordinator. Yeah, that's awesome. So yeah, I mean, he's been around the league forever, and uh, I think he has a home in Provo too. I think he spent some time there after his he wife's was family's from Orem. Is that what it was? Yeah. And so uh, when because uh, there was there was at least casual discussion. Yeah. He comes down all the time because his daughter is a, is a starting catcher for the BYU women's softball team. Oh, yeah. I mean, she's the Johnny Bench of uh, women's softball at the collegiate level, I'll tell you that. Or is she the Manny Sanguian? Or who was the who was the, uh, the Padre guy who used to throw from his one knee? You would know it, DJ. What was that guy's name? Oh, now you're putting me under pressure. Benito Santiago. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I blanked on him for a second. I was just thinking <laughs> about Benito him Benito Santiago. Day. Yeah. <laughs> he was like Elastic Man, man. He can catch one five uh, yards to the right in the dirt. His, his arm was a whip. <laughs> yeah, he just... he snapped that thing down yeah. there. So, And Brian Johnson has uh, connections here. His, uh, his wife's family. Uh, his sister, or no, his wife's sister lived three houses down from me for a while. You may know her. She is the do Fox News anchor. Yes. Yeah. So I saw Brian. She used to work uh, at Channel Two. She interned yeah, at Channel Two. Sure. Before yeah. That. They were they they were my neighbors. Kelly Chapman. Uh, uh, just about two houses down. So I saw Brian there. So he's got family in town. And then they moved, and they became Kyle Whittingham's neighbor. I mean, they went from one celebrity me to another celebrity in Kyle. How about that? A little downgrade, but I'm sure they adjusted. <laughs> Her husband, Jeff, did some uh, work for you guys, too, as a meteorologist. Uh, so, you know, it makes sense for those guys. But the fact that all these pro teams want to come into Provo, I think it's awesome, man. Sell that. Put those pitchers out there. Send that to all those recruits. Look at all these kids. And there's probably some other big-name guys. I don't know who they are, but they're big-name personnel guys who are in Provo right now, standing in that facility getting ready to watch guys it starts at 10 o'clock getting ready to watch guys do their thing run up and down in the 40 yard and the jump and the throw and run routes and with matt bushman and all that stuff that's just i think it's really a big big deal for byu football and the key is for them to spread that word as quickly as possible yeah. they're already doing Amen. it on social media right and all the assistant coaches with all the texts I'm sure assistants will be out there taking photos of guys in logo gear they and texting are. it to people. They've already sent it out. Yeah. 
So, Who's yeah. your, but I mean, individually to sure. a player, you know, they're 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 big name recruits. They're really trying to get. You find out who that kid's uh, favorite team or teams are, yeah. and then miraculously, you have a photo of said scout or GM in uh, well in, in team gear. Good news, Zach Wilson, six foot two, two hundred and fourteen pounds, nine and a half inch hands. There you <laughs> go. Two things, two things I always love is like getting the real height and weight, and it's how much did they lie in the six, program? Six oh two one, which stands for six foot two and one eighth inches. Okay, and then if they get a chance, I don't know if they do in this. If I were the team, what interaction, you know, the chance to interview or talk to somebody for five or ten or fifteen minutes, that would be pretty valuable. But a lot of this, like timing them running around cones, come on, <laughs> three cone drill, baby, it's important. I don't know. It's not a decathlon here, people. Pro shuttle, let's go. It's not a decathlon. Stop it. All right, DJ and PK, we are joined right now by Andrew Reinhardt from the Wasatch Medical Clinic. And, Andrew, you were going uh, earlier this morning, you were telling us in detail, not just the Cambridge University had a study on the uh, treatments that you're offering, but, like, specifically what they were looking at, who they were looking at. You got pretty detailed. Yeah, there's, so there's a lot of clinical studies that say that our form of acoustic wave therapy is the best at regrowing blood vessels in this part of the body. Um, Cambridge, in their testing, they took guys specifically with some pretty major health conditions and ones that were no longer responding to Viagra. So I'm assuming severe ED. And the success rate was like astronomically high, above 90%. So if you're out there listening and maybe, you know, your situation is not so dire, not so severe, you've got some form of ED, this technology can work. Uh, It can turn back the clock a little in the bedroom, get you off the pill, definitely improve blood flow, and you'll see enhanced performance in the bedroom. We've helped so many guys, and we're finally treating the actual root cause problem of ED. But it's not really root cause, it's root causes, right? I mean, it's a, there's a variety of things, but it's also a variety of things that you see repeatedly. Yeah, that, that's a good point. There's a lot of things that can cause it. Um, it could be nerve damage, it could be prostate, it could be uh, diabetes, it could just be the way we age or eat. Uh, but the bottom line is there's not enough blood flow going where we want it, when we want it, and that is what we're fixing. So you got a special offer. For people who are thinking about it, well, they might as well get a discount or a deal or something. Yes. uh, Let's get the love life back on track. Uh, Call us here at Wasatch Medical now. The assessment, the exam, even the blood flow ultrasound with our MD, no charge. By the way, that blood flow ultrasound, really cool. I've had that done a bunch of times. Tests the strength of your blood vessels. Uh, We'll also give you a little gift. You'll love this. It produces immediate results in the bedroom. And it's all no charge. So if you want to give Andrew a call right now, call Wasatch Medical at 801-901-8000. You want to try and put a stop to your ED, call Andrew at Wasatch Medical at 801-901-8000. That's 801-901-8000. Thanks, Andrew. Thank you, guys. DJ and PK brought to you in part by Davis Vision. Davis Vision has given you 1,000 reasons to get rid of those contacts or glasses. That's $1,000 off LASIK. Start your road to better vision at davisvisionmd.com or call them at 801-253-3080. That's Davis Vision. All right, we've talked about a lot of stuff this morning, PK. This is a segment where we traditionally recap it, but every once in a while something's Something's happening right during the show, so new news for you uh, 930 listeners. Shaka Smart leaving Texas for Marquette. Sources, colon, 
John Rothstein with the info. Stay in one. Shocker gone. Shocker gone. Shocker gone. Stay in one step ahead of, well, the posse is the cliche, but the truth is the angry boosters who want to win more in the NCAA tournament. Alex Jensen to Texas. <laughs> that would be a slap in the face. <laughs> he can turn down the Utes because he's on an NBA track and everyone is just nodding and goes, oh, okay, if that's what you want to do, you know, it's a choice to be made. That's your choice. But if you run off and take the Texas gig, we're going to be pissed. <laughs> or as you like to say, uh, yeah, uh, that's why I don't think that there is a a huge difference in Power Five, non-Power Five, uh, which is known as Group of Five in football, but Marquette doesn't play football. I, I think in basketball, and Gonzaga has proven this, that that doesn't matter as much. You know, you can, and Marquette's had some time. You know, obviously, yeah. Wojciechowski was fired, uh, but they've had moments Dwayne Wade and Dwayne Wade took him to a final four they won a title with Al McGuire a long time ago yeah 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 big big Rick was on that staff and all that stuff so yeah you you can do that you can be pretty good uh with basketball and so I don't know if that if the wolves were circling or whatever you say around smart in Texas what was it where was he at VCU yeah he had a final four run was the hot coach there Mm -hmm. they did Texas did get into the uh the playoff this year uh, i know that and then the, the big 12 is a tough division that's for sure our tough conference i should say uh i think this past season big 12 and big 10 were the two best at least in a regular season i know the big 10 flamed out a little bit in the tournament uh, but man that's that's amazing that uh, somebody would leave texas unless he was the pressure was on to really have a big season or not now obviously if once you take over a job You'll get some time, unless you're just absolutely pathetic. Uh, you should be able to get at least a couple of years uh, there. But it, it's interesting. I was I was listening to NBA radio, uh, and I've been listening to it a lot here lately. And or maybe it might even have been the college thing. And this Dan Donkage guy mm-hmm. is an ESPN commentator, and he has his own show. And he's an Indiana guy, and he was talking about going through the hot name, who's the hot name in this Loyola Chicago guys, the hot guy right now. And he said, I am so sick of hearing about the hot guy. And these guys, they get hot and their team goes on a run. They get another job and they don't pan out. And he listed several. And he was talking about for Indiana, who he wanted. And Archie Miller, where was he at? Dayton? Mm-hmm. And, and he was the hot guy. You know, and you kind of you catch that lightning in a bottle and then you get these jobs, but you don't really recapture it. So he was just going on about not going, not falling for the trap of the so-called hot guy. And Smart was that hot guy at, at a time. And they move and you know, doesn't really work uh, on the other side. So. Some big jobs out there still. I mean, Utah, in my mind, is a big job. Obviously, Indiana and now Texas is a big job. Uh, we didn't talk about it, but Lon Kruger retired at Oklahoma. And 65 years old, said he had enough. He was 68. So you'd have uh, Oklahoma would be a, uh, a good gig. Yeah, check that. I think he was 68. 68. Uh, yeah. And, and gosh, Long he coached for a long time. 45 yeah. years in the business. Right. And he... Uh, he did great work at UNLV. Now, he didn't recapture Tark, but you look before and after. Uh, he was pretty good 
at uh, UNLV. And obviously he parlayed that into the Oklahoma job, and he coached at four or five different places, uh, had a little run with the Hawks in the NBA. But that's a job. And I was looking this morning uh, because, I, you know, you get caught up in these rumors uh, talking about maybe Altman might be interested in it, in going, because uh, he's a Midwest guy. Obviously he came from Creighton. BYU played Creighton when uh, uh, Altman was there. So see what happens there. And that, that creates a little bit. It's not, it doesn't get as big of a buzz, I don't think, as college football. But it's still sort of interesting to see who runs around and does this or that there. All right, other stuff we uh, talked about this morning. The, uh, the NBA, the Clippers won, the Lakers lost. I think I'm going to be saying a lot of the, both those things, PK. Clippers beat the Spurs two games in two days, and the Clippers won both of those games over San Antonio. The Lakers, meanwhile, continuing to you know play shorthanded, obviously, and continuing to lose. That's four straight losses. Danny Green, the former Laker, had 28 points, 8 of 12 from 3 to help beat his old team, 109-101. Well, I'm not, I'm, I'm not sure who's going to win. Oh, excuse me, when the Lakers are going to win with this lineup that they run out there lose every game for like three weeks, four weeks, five weeks, whatever. Well, I'd have to look at their schedule. I mean, I'm sure there'll be sometimes they'll win. Yeah. But. Cavaliers are pretty bad, and they're playing the Cavs tonight. Yeah, yeah, okay, there you go. Uh, And I don't have their schedule at at hand. But them losing without their two studs, I'm expecting them to lose. So how far will they fall? That is loss number 17. They are a game and a half in front of Portland and Denver, but only a game in the loss column. Well, my goal is for them to fall out of the playoffs. All the way to 11? Not even give me. You give LeBron 10, he's like, sweet, I could be the first 10 seed to win a title. It'd be a little extra juice. Uh, okay, 11 then. Yeah, 11. That'll work. I figure if he's in that 7-8 game, he'll want to win it, and that'll put him 7. And then whoever has the top seed will be rewarded. The Lakers and the Clippers and the Suns will be on the other side of the bracket. Congratulations. Well, and then if the Lakers fall out of the playoffs, then they'll get the number one pick. So I don't know if I want that. <laughs> you don't really want that. They'll win the lottery. <laughs> uh, they also have whatever is left of Orlando coming up on Sunday. Orlando, we talked a lot of uh, trade deadline stuff in Orlando. Nobody made more moves than Orlando. They shipped out three guys who were all playing a lot of minutes for them. And they moved them all. And probably the most interesting one is Aaron Gordon because he goes to the Nuggets, and that's a team the Jazz could see in the second round of the playoffs. Uh, It's certainly a potential opponent the way things are stacking up. But they also moved Evan Fournier to the Boston Celtics and Nikola Vucevic to the Chicago Bulls. So just tear it down and start over. And I agree with Locke. I think the biggest news is that Kyle Lowry did not go to the Lakers. Breathe a sigh of relief, Jazz fans. That would have sucked. Now, there are stories out on Twitter this morning that the closest deal to getting done was Philadelphia, and it broke down over draft compensation. So, apparently that was the closest they came to moving him. But I think just put that on hold, and now let's see if he gets moved this summer. Yeah, and then what's going to happen with these buyouts? Uh, by all indications, it seems like Drummond is going to the Lakers, and I agree with Locke. He may not be this or that, but they need something, and he can provide something uh, for them, and I think that he makes their team, even if it's marginally better, he makes them better. Maybe he can be better than that, and we'll see, because once you have Anthony Davis and LeBron James, you don't necessarily need to be really good. Although, you know, going back to what Steve Cleveland has insisted for over a year, uh, 
he believes their best lineup is when Anthony Davis is at the five, which so then who really cares what other centers you're putting on your roster? If your best lineup is Anthony Davis playing the five, then that sort of makes that guy, uh, whoever that other center is, sort of uh, not as important, at least minimally speaking. I guess the question then is, what do they do at center for the 10 to 15 minutes that Anthony Davis doesn't play? And then is there a chance that whoever this is keeps their best lineup off the floor, in which case if you're the Jazz or the Suns or the Clippers or whoever, you're like, yeah, by all means, add somebody and let us face five or ten minutes less of your best lineup. Sure. There's a lot of reasons to hate this virus. I mean, there's any number of reasons. But one of the reasons is that they extended the regular season by a month because they had to wait. I would love for the postseason to start here in three weeks. I am so ready for it. <laughs> but there are 29 games to go for the I know. Utah Jazz. I wish there were only like nine or ten, really. I mean, who, who doesn't want playoffs in the NBA? We all do. And to have the Jazz being where they are, I, I wish it could start normally uh, as it does around like April 15th, April 20th, somewhere in there. Jazz and the Grizzlies tonight. Jazz and Grizzlies again tomorrow night. And then after Cleveland's here on Monday, it's the Jazz and the Grizzlies again in Memphis. What would you like to know about the Grizzlies, PK? Because you're about to see more Grizzly basketball in six days than you've seen all year. Well, I want. Yeah, I, I wish they had Jackson so I could see them at full strength. Uh, and John Morant's an exciting young player. And so let him develop some more. But I really think from the Jazz perspective, when you're this good, and they have been this good, it's about you. It's not necessarily about your opponent. Uh, And some opponents get you more excited. Like, for instance, when they finally get around to playing Phoenix again, I'm going to have a little more pizzazz for that game, right? Because the Suns are better than expected, and the Suns beat the Jazz way back when. Typically, even though the season is shorter by 10 games, you still look at the first 15 games or so like, ah, who cares? Because there's so many games. Even though there's 10 fewer games, I sort of feel that way when they lost to Minnesota and Phoenix. Oh, that was that was the first couple of weeks. It doesn't matter. So it's still the season is still long enough to where that's what you think about. So I, I know that's what I think about there. But when they do get around to playing Phoenix again, I'll be interested. I'll have a little more interest than I would like in a Memphis game. But, you know, for the Jazz, I want to see if Bogey, can you continue? You played, you shot the ball well. You talked about it. You acknowledged it publicly. Worst slump of your career. Then you went out and you shot the ball well. All right, let's continue it, right? It's only Memphis, but so what? Let's continue it. Let's see what's going on. That, that's just one little minimal storyline. And then, of course, every storyline is you hope get out of there healthy. Well, Quinn Snyder said many times when he's asked about uh, playoffs or seedings or any of that, the number one thing he wants is his team playing well. And obviously, you need to be healthy to be playing your best basketball. He wants the team to be playing its best basketball, playing well, and you got to be healthy to do that. And for the Lakers, I think that's the thing that raises the eyebrows is these guys are going to miss a lot of time. And the only thing that gets you in basketball shape is playing basketball. And so are they going to have four weeks when LeBron comes back? Are they going to have two weeks when he comes back? If he comes back too early, is he going to have a setback and have to miss more time? Because there is time to come back and get it together and win the championship. You can't dismiss the Lakers right now, but they are cutting it close. It does raise the eyebrows a little bit, especially if either one of these guys comes back 
a little too soon and has a setback. Then they're really getting into uh, a problem. Yeah, but 29 games is a lot, a lot of games, and obviously he's not mm-hmm. going to play in all those 29. Nope. But LeBron is superhuman in so many ways <laughs> out on the floor that it's getting to the point, well, it's already past that point. I don't really doubt him until he's got that fourth loss in the postseason. And at that point, uh, you know, I'll, I'll doubt him. Or if they go down 3-0, uh, but it's, when he steps out on that floor – He's still LeBron, as far as I'm concerned, and I'm not going to doubt him. Uh, any of the other trades you want to tell the people about? Victor Oladipo, uh, Houston shipped him to Miami. Uh, you got the uh, Portland Trailblazers, got Norm Powell. They got another uh, 6'3 guy who can shoot, which doesn't seem I'm to be what they need. I'm surprised Locke was as high, a, and I always call him Norman Powell. That's what he was called when he played for the Bruins. I'm surprised he's as high on that deal. It just seems like they are rich at a position, and they got richer. And that's nice. If it makes your team better, even if it's just a little, I've always said this, no matter what deal you make, if it makes your team better, that person may not put you over the top, but if it makes your team better, you still got to do it. And obviously in Portland, they think that this deal made them better. I'm okay with it. But I, I, Portland is dangerous. They, when you've got a player of the caliber of Lillard, obviously you are dangerous any given game. But I just don't know that you're dangerous enough over a seven-game series with or without Norman Powell. So is uh, I always wonder with these, which of these are the moves that set up the move? You know, we grade them just on the move. But is this the move that makes them think they can now move C.J. McCollum and help that front line. I don't think they're moving Damian Lillard. He's the face of the franchise, which means McCollum's the next guy who has the most value on the roster. Yeah, but I don't think McCollum is as good as Powell. I mean, I think McCollum is better than Powell. I agree, but are they willing to get a little worse along the guard line to help them along the front line? I mean, you're trading a $30 million player, which is the neighborhood C.J. McCollum's now in, uh, 29 this year, then almost 31, then to 33 and 35. You know, can you get somebody back? Can you get a, a 6'8 wing guy? You know, I, didn't, I don't know who they'll get. I'd have to go across the league and see who's Aaron under Gordon. contract. Yeah, I think I want somebody better than Aaron Gordon. I think he can't carry a franchise. <laughs> Maybe he can be the third, best, third or fourth best player on the road. Carry a franchise? You're, gonna get, you're, you're not going to get a franchise carrier you're right. C.J. McCollum. Are you going to get someone who can be the second best player on the team, though? I want someone better than Aaron, than, more proven than Aaron Gordon to be the second best player. I don't know. I don't know that this is the move. I mean, this is me spitballing. This isn't me, you know, sources of the Blazer organization have told me. It's not that. It's me spitballing. Does well, I think move... Powell's a free agent, isn't he? I'll have to look at his contract thing. So can they sign him? Or Because if they just traded him for the next few months, I will work on that for you and get his salary. Sure. We'll have that next, plus your feedback. Stay with us. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. All right, DJ and PK, it is time for your feedback. And before we get to that, Norman Powell, PK, has a player option for next year at $11 million. So he could be a free agent if he declines the option. Or he could take the option, okay. do another year, and then hit free agency. So well, he can get more than $11 mil. Yeah. He's going to be a free agent. Your feedback, stuff you've got to say. About today's show, a lot on the trade deadline, 
Osteomath says, I am worried about the Denver Nuggets getting stronger. Denver Nuggets getting a lot of love. They won the press conference as it is. Now are they going to go out and win on the court? People think that Aaron Gordon move is going to help them. Now we'll see if it really does. Uh-huh. Uh, the D in Denver stands for dangerous. I see what you did there. That was nice. Thank you, Jed. Who put the D in dangerous? Exactly. <laughs> or an Enver. I'm so sad we don't have that draw. Oh, an Enver, yeah. You can recreate know, it anytime you want. Drop. Nope. No. Yeah. Nope. Go ahead. No, Go no. ahead. That was the magic happened. Now it's time that to was, move on. Those were in the early days. Yeah. And I was a little more sarcastic in those days. And that was just. That, that one killed that one, that, that one. that one slayed you. You didn't have much to say <laughs> after that. You just kept laughing. <laughs> what? <laughs> that was about the most we got out of you. Was Scotty our producer then? <laughs> what did you say? <laughs> um, maybe it's all a blur. I'm not good with that kind of stuff. Uh, we we've uh, gone through a few of them. Yeah. Last two have lasted longer, but uh, for a while there, we were flying through them. Sure. One of them does an afternoon show now. <laughs> Jake got in and got oh, out. Jake, yeah, yeah. Jake Scott, sure, yeah. Tricky says, Tricky T says, I'm really mad that the Jazz didn't do anything. We've also got a lot of people saying, why would the really? Jazz have done something? They've got the best record. They don't have yeah. an obvious, they don't have an obvious hole. And anything you trade, you give something up. Because the roster's balanced. They're not re- you know, redundant. They're not real deep at one spot. Yeah, here's Mario. I don't get why so many Jazz fans wanted big trades. This is the best Jazz team we've had in a really long time. It's the best team in the NBA right now. They got great chemistry. Why would we want to break that up? Unless you can make your team better. Sure. But I think but what Locke I said is... I don't is, see anything that was out there. Yeah, I think what Locke said is really true about that Lou Williams deal. You know, the Clippers keep moving the guys who were there a couple years ago when they had a tight group and they won and they outperformed expectations and then they bring in two megastars and they're just all sort of chemistry issues. And, it, you know, is this just a sign that that stuff's never settled down? I don't know, but it's worth bringing in those guys. Take your chances, because you weren't going any further with the other group. Yeah, exactly. The other group had maxed out. As impressive as it was, they had maxed out. Uh All right, time to bring in uh, Andrew Reinhardt from the Wasatch Medical Clinic. And, Andrew, you've been on the air a lot. You've had a lot of patients come through, and you you build up some uh, info over time about – patient results and the issues patients are having. Uh, What have you heard from patients? Well, I think that a guy with ED uh, generally kind of suffers in silence. So this problem starts with, let's get rid of the stigma. Uh, We can treat the ED effectively, get you off the pill. Once they've gone through the treatments, I think they're surprised that it worked well. It was pretty fast, a few treatments over two to three weeks. That's it. And they're able to turn back the clock. 50-year-old guy, for example, maybe to function in the bedroom like in his 30s. 70-year-old guy, maybe to function like in his 40s. We have seen this time and time again. If you're out there struggling with erectile dysfunction, Wasatch Medical uses the two most advanced forms of acoustic wave therapy. They repair damaged blood vessels. They treat the root cause instead of treating the symptoms like what the pills do. So among the information you must build up, you know, the top causes of ED, you must see some of the same issues over and over. 
Yeah, we do see a lot of nerve damage, maybe from uh, prostate uh, issues, uh, surgeries, diabetes. Also, I think just the American lifestyle is not helping any of us. (laughs) It's the way that we age. Blood vessels, they shrivel up and die, and this kind of becomes a plumbing issue. If we can open up the blood vessels, we can get rid of the ED, and if you're out there struggling, you're far more normal than you think. All right, Andrew, you got a special deal for folks today. We do. Last segment of the day, call us. Let's get the love life back on track where it used to be. Uh, We will do the assessment and the exam, the blood flow ultrasound with our doctor. No charge. Really cool. Uh, Plus a little enhanced gift now. It produces immediate results in the bedroom. You'll love that. All of this, no charge. Guys, you can put a stop to your ED. Call Wasatch Medical right now to claim that offer. 801-901-8000. 801-901-8000. Andrew Reinhardt and the Wasatch Medical Clinic at 801-901-8000. Thanks, Andrew. Thank you, guys.